it. We got sure. it. We did it, Luby. We came through. We did. Thank goodness. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that could not have been more exciting on uh, Friday night. Uh, yeah. That was uh, the was uh, like Panthers a week victory. Ago. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? It really did. It reminded me of that whole Nick Willenda thing when he was going over the Grand Canyon there in the tightrope and they misgaged the wind. And all of a sudden you get like the Santa Ana winds are kicking up and they've made their way over to Las Vegas. And uh, this guy is trying to balance himself. Now, uh, he was sort of attached to the thing so it wasn't like he was going to go into the bottom of the abyss there and uh, fall like 1500 feet it was kind of treacherous to watch as uh, he was praying to god and as we've often referenced uh, probably the most uh, unusual aspect of that whole telecast what was a joel osteen was uh, assisting from a mental standpoint supposedly nick walenda as he went out there and he was giving him confidence and there were many god references like oh god and uh, he's in the middle of the Grand Canyon there, not looking too sure of himself, wearing a <laughs> pair of like, ballet slippers and uh, holding a rod. But I, I think Joel Osteen was having his rod held by uh, Walenda's wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Keep going, Nick. Keep going. See, Joel Osteen, I mean, yeah, he's very good at what he does, I have to say. He's very good at what That's he does. True. When you watch those lectures, you start to believe that, uh, you know what, maybe Jesus can come and save me. But I don't think so. I don't know. That's a, that's a long shot. The time. Wake up with Defoe, joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. And a very pleasant good morning from a stormy South Florida. Good morning, everybody. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz with you. The Defoe Show here on Ion Channel. Very happy to be with you on what should be a busy edition of our Degenerate Friday show as uh, we will feature Kate and Bradar in just a few minutes here on the program, about 15, 20 minutes from now. Kate and Bradar are going to join us from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, where she will be reporting for TVG on the Preakness Stakes. going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the Philly, the big story there, I would think, Secret Oath and D. Wayne Lucas, probably not getting as much attention as he should be, old D. Wayne. This guy's 86 years old, Luby. I, I was thinking uh, as I was getting ready for the show this morning, I remember interviewing D. Wayne Lucas like in the middle 80s. Wow. And uh, thinking, the guy's been around a long time. Wow, what a veteran trainer. And uh, that was, uh, you know, 40 years ago. And uh, here he is today uh, with the uh, one of the contenders anyway, and a horse that a lot of people like to win the Preakness after winning the Kentucky Oaks with Secret Oath, who uh, a lot of people have pegged as a possible Preakness winner. Uh, I, I do want to say that Rachel Alexandra, I didn't uh, bother to look this up, of course, too lazy to do my own yeah, research, but... Uh, I want to say that uh, Rachel Alexander was the uh, last uh, filly to win the Kentucky Oaks, not entered in the Kentucky Derby, but the preliminary race there for fillies uh, that uh, goes on Friday before the Kentucky Derby runs on that first Saturday in May, and uh, then go on to win the Preakness, beat Minet Bird, who won the was the shocking winner uh, of the Kentucky Derby that year, paid over $100, but came back, ran a very, very representative race. Uh, I, I recall it was like a a stretch duel of affirmed and Aladark type proportions, right? So we can hear, uh, you know, the announcer uh, saying, and Aladar's got a nose in front. <laughs> Anderson was a, did have a nose in front, yeah, very briefly. I don't know that it really stuck, uh, you know, Aladar really stuck a nose in front of affirmed in that race, but uh, affirmed prevailed, uh, came back on a rail and won the race. And uh, that was kind of uh, the uh, level of stretch duel, I believe, that Rachel Alexander and Minette Bird staged in that preakness with uh, Minette Bird. Uh, going down by a nose, and Rachel Alexander going on to distinguish herself as uh, one of those fillies that won the Kentucky Oaks and then subsequently went on to uh, win the Preakness. So uh, we'll see if that situation occurs. But uh, D. Wayne Lucas, the trainer of Secret Oath, uh, with a shot there to uh, put his name 
etch it even deeper into uh, thoroughbred racing history as uh, at 86 years old. Uh, I, I would think that he would be the big story around this race. So a lot of people are going to be looking at epicenter six to five favorite in the morning line. Some people feel that this horse is going to bounce. Uh, there are only nine going in the field. So you're not looking at 20 like you did in the Kentucky Derby. So less chance that uh, horse uh, racing luck is going to have as much to do with it as it sometimes does in the Derby. And we'll get Kate Bradar's opinion on what's going on. Uh, yes, and you also sir. have the Black-Eyed Susan today, uh, the race for the Phillies. So uh, huge, huge weekend in thoroughbred racing. Kate is going to join us uh, about 7.20 this morning yes. on the video stream as well. And uh, she's always dynamic. The professor, who, uh, I don't know, do we need to reel in the professor a little bit? What's going on? Are we getting complaints about the professor? No, no people I would love the professor, not. and I hope he goes no. all in each and every week. That's why we have him. That's it. And we push him right to the extreme there. Yeah, and uh, It doesn't take much of a nudge. Nah, to get the professor to go off in uh, some very <laughs> radical directions, uh, no doubt it. about it. I, I have a big board topic for him. I, I hope this isn't his topic this week because, uh, you know, I was getting ready uh, to go out last night and play tennis uh, with my son, who has been uh, kicking my ass. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not as, uh, you know, a, a competitor that gets upset about losing anymore. I'm just happy to be alive. I, I was thinking as I was getting creamed 6-1 in the second set, that, uh, you know, a lot of guys my age are in hospital beds right now. Here I am out there playing clay court tennis on a beautiful evening in South Florida. This was uh, prior to the storms coming uh, later on in the uh, early morning hours. Says uh, that, that was some wicked stuff. Were you getting that, uh, Mike Luby Lewis? Uh, no. I mean, if, I might have gotten it, but I was sleeping. So I don't know. I didn't notice anything. It was hard crazy. to sleep, man. I mean, this stuff was just pounding. And uh, the first test of the storm windows that were installed this week, uh, they passed with flying colors, although, nice. uh, yeah, I mean, you could clearly hear the noise and there was lightning and thunder and all kinds of uh, crazy stuff. But, uh, wow, I mean, uh, it, it was pretty wild. And I, I started thinking, you know what, and, and this may work for the Panthers. I started thinking, why don't I reread the Tim Tebow speech? <laughs> Which the big board of Tim Tebow would be kind of interesting for the professor. Well, he's to something like uh, that, yeah. The Tebow speech, and I have to look to the side here. I'm sorry, people, uh, not to address you directly here, but uh, I have a computer up to the side here, and I popped it up. The Tebow speech. I just want to say one thing to the fans and everybody in Gator Nation. I'm sorry. And you know the history of this. Do I have to explain it, Luby? Oh, please uh, don't. Gators lost please the game, don't. and uh, Tebow well, went off about how he's never going to do this and never going to do that. Yeah, it's uh, ever. We were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal. It's something Florida's never done here. But I promise you one thing. This is where it uh, got good. A lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen a player in the entire country play as hard as I will. And, and he went on and on about he uh, how he, he was, was going to do this and he was going to do that. And he was practically crying. He was crying. And, and the thing was so insipidly stupid because you couldn't help but think that <laughs> while this guy is saying this, not only, I mean, to just say, hey, you know what? The other team was really good today and they, they beat us. We might have made a few mistakes. I'll tell you what, we'll bounce back next week. Would that not have been sufficient, Luby? Yes. Did you really have to go into this? I will never play harder. I will never lose again. I will never do this. I will never do that. Are you kidding me? Now, think about this. This is, this is an institution uh, that is well-respected of higher education. I mean, it's difficult to get into the University of Florida. I, I do believe this, uh, that as sad sack as the educational system is uh, all the way up through high school in South Florida, and not just South Florida, but all over the state, I would imagine we're ahead of the pack. When it comes to places yes. like Loxahatchee and Tallahassee, yes. and anything that ends in an E E E, yes, we care right? and try. And, <laughs> yes, have some good hillbilly stuff. But the college system here, I, I think, is excellent, and, and, and it's it not only very affordable, but uh, it, you have a lot of options, and there seem to be a lot of good schools. Which the number one 
school in the state of Florida of the state school system is the University of Florida. There's there's no question. It's yes. the hardest one to get to. Uh, you know, you, you get rejected by the University of Florida, you go to FSU, although I would have been inclined to make that my number one priority because I, I'm thinking, I, I don't know, is the University of Florida a bigger party school than Florida State? You would know this, Libby. No. no? Florida State, they, they don't care anymore, Florida man. Uh, they're up there with those crackers and you're on the border of Georgia and there's not a whole hell of a lot to do there. I mean, Florida State's worked on it a lot. They've actually become a top 20 public school. So academics have become a big thing, but they're still... Partying is still number one priority. Uh, look, Florida, they party. Don't get me wrong. It's not the academic institution they want you to think it is, but it's not Florida State. Florida State, you have TCC. But it's hard to get into. It's very hard to get into. Yes. Very hard to get into. You have to have some grades and, and uh, whatever the test score is. Uh, you have to have a, a very high test score and, uh, you know, in general, everything. be uh, yes, a pretty good student, right? You can't get in there as a flake, can you? Uh, any flakes? Yeah, I guess any you, school will accept a few flakes. If you so. if you apply early and promise and swear on blood that you'll go there, I at least when I was going into school, I knew kids that, that were borderline college that got in. So uh, yeah. Florida is right. really tough if you like want to be open and have other choices. Florida is tough, and it's a good school. Whatever. You, you don't agree with me then that uh, it would be the most difficult from a qualification standpoint of the state schools in Florida. It was when I was to be accepted. In. When I was going to school, when I was applying to colleges, it was now supposedly every college is insane and it's stressful for kids. I, but I presume Florida still is. Yes, I actually. All right. Well, with. unless you're on a football team, well, which uh, you could oh, be Aaron Hernandez and come in with a, <laughs> exactly. a rap sheet uh, as as long as my nose and, uh, you know, and I have no problem getting in because Urban Meyer was there saying that we need this kid. He can catch. Exactly. Uh, but th- all that being said, I, I, I would say this. I, I would stipulate that this is somewhat of a fair statement. Now, there are beautiful girls everywhere in the yes, state of yes, Florida. Yes, there yes. are beautiful women all over the universe. And, uh, yes. you know, you, you drop onto a campus. Well, my son, I dropped him off at the University of Central Florida. Now, uh, I would say if he was uh, – 18 at the time, then uh, what was I? I, I was uh, like like 50, something like that. Is that possible? Yeah, they're about right. 49, 50. And I'm eyeballing these chicks uh, as if I uh, you know, <laughs> wanted to just crash into one of the dormitories uh, and become somewhat of a, you know, I mean, uh, not quite a pedophile, but, uh, you know. They're legal. Cool, it's right? just gross. <laughs> but it's legal. <laughs> it's ugly, isn't it? Like a 50-year-old fat DeForest rolling into the dormitories there and uh, scaring all the girls in a panty raid. Forget about that. But I, I, you know, was acknowledging that there was a a ton of talent there on the campus at the University of Central Florida. So what's it like at the University of Florida? It's like Babe Central. Yes. So what does this speech mean? And and they take this stupid whining uh, and sipid speech that Tebow made because he's a crybaby loser and couldn't accept the fact (laughs) that it would be far more gracious and uh, honoring uh, God, uh, which was his intention uh, throughout his life, I guess, his declared intention. Well, wouldn't it be much more respectful in the eyes of God if you just congratulated your opponent for beating you and said, you know what, next time uh, we're going to make it really tough on these guys. But uh, if they beat us again, then, uh, you know, they deserve all the credit in the world because we're going to play our eyeballs out from now on. And they take this stupid speech, which is a childish, I mean, written as if, uh, you know, you were asking some kid in kindergarten to uh, explain away a loss. And they etch it on one of the buildings uh, on the campus there as if, uh, you know, this was uh, Abe Lincoln saying four score (laughs) uh, 20 years ago, whatever the hell that was. Seven years ago. The score is 20 years. Yes, yes. So 87 years ago. 
which yes. was a nice way of putting it, right? Four score and seven years ago. Uh, but yes. at, at least this was a speech, or you know, the the uh, yes. you know uh, famous speeches in the world should should not include this whining, sniveling, no. pathetic, unaccepting of a loss. Uh, you know, inability to just recognize that the other team deserves some credit uh, by a whining Tim Tebow. Who was then going to go on and be somewhat of a bust as a uh, as a professional football player? Pathetic. I mean, that's I mean that, that's etched in a building uh, on a building, you know, in, in on the campus of the University of Florida. And, and then you start thinking, wait a minute, man, with all of these babes here, this is a guy who couldn't even get laid when he was there. I don't know if he couldn't. Get, he chose. I think Tim Tebow could have gotten laid very easily. Randy Warfel is getting. Yes, everyone. What do you mean? You're in college. Random schmanks are getting laid. You're yes. the quarterback <laughs> of the University of Florida. <laughs> winning. And Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, and they were winning. Yes, he chose oh not to get God. laid. I don't. It was. You a think uh, that was the case? I mean, this guy couldn't buy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he did uh, fine. Buy a date when he was in, at, at the University <laughs> of Florida. <laughs> Found me. I, I ended up marrying like a Miss Universe. So what am yes, I talking did. about? Yes, he did. But uh, no, that, that was ridiculous. I, I thought about reading that for inspiration, and uh, I'm glad uh, if, if it did reach any of you people there in my abridged edition of the Tebow speech. And I, I hope you go out there and you decide that you're never going to lose again. I, I'm going to read that to myself before I go to the track today, the Tebow speech. I will never work harder. I will never handicap more. I will never lose another race. <laughs> now, do you believe that? Not for one second. But it was Black Thursday for the yeah, uh, local teams here last night. I, I, I'm trying to avoid getting into that. Yeah, really bad. Uh, wow, you talk about, uh, and I often reference the maitre d' at the Dharma Grab restaurant whenever you would put a couple of farmers on one of your tables uh, as uh, you were sitting uh, there looking at a room full of movie stars and celebrities and, uh, you know, the highest of society people from the Los Angeles area and around the world. And then all of a sudden you get these uh, two dentists and their wives from Encino. And the maitre d' was a guy named uh, Dari who uh, ended up uh, being, as I've mentioned a few times, a subject. On unsolved mysteries, they couldn't figure out what happened to this guy. <laughs> that was later on in life. I mean, this was years later. But uh, nonetheless, uh, he would bring the people to the table. He would give you the ticket, and he would just uh, sort of quietly say privately to you as he turned his head, "Such ugliness." Yep. And that was it. <laughs> That's what it was last night. It was such ugliness. It was Black Thursday, huh? Panthers lose with three point eight seconds to go in the game. They give up a goal. Oh my God! I mean, I I don't know that you could uh, blame uh, you know. Sergey, yeah, uh, there, uh, you know. No, he, no, he, no. I, even I'm not blaming Bobrovsky. That that was that was pathetic. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, puck goes off the wall behind the net there, yeah. and uh, nobody pays no any attention. Clears to the it. Guy. <laughs> just, oh, is it Colton is uh, skating I don't know. in. I, I, they just roll right by him, and a puck goes by the guy, and it happened to be in the area, and goes right on the stick of uh, Colton, who was standing in front of the net there, and uh, Bobrovsky uh, literally had no chance, and, and you lose a game like that. With 3.8 seconds to go on your home ice to go down 0-2 in the series. And we'll have the Gambling Gourmet on uh, later on, Mike Mayo. Now, uh, it's so funny because I started to mention this. I don't know. Did he get get a little uh, nerved out when he's doing those remotes? Because I'm saying, Mayo, you were right about this. And he's like, oh, you just keep changing your mind. I'm like, no. I I realized We've been consistent after game one. Yeah, yeah, this was a, a stroke of genius on your part. You, you realized that the team was a fraud, that it was yeah. all Fugazi, that yep. the President's Cup is a curse. <laughs> and the only thing you misgaged was that we're not going to lose to the Capitals. But uh, he comes back and sarcastically suggests that, uh, oh, you know what? You, you want to bet that they, they don't get swept in the next round? And I thought, nah, I really don't want to bet that. You know I what? You lost that bet. I, I'm past this thing because yep, I, yep. I don't trust him after that first series. Nope. 
No, they were life and, and death. They find a way to lose uh, both games at home to start off the second round of the playoffs. And it does look like Sayonara City. And it's also very possible that Brunette could end up being coach of the year. Now, in the NHL, they don't care about distinctions. Uh, but he could end up uh, winning coach of the year. He's one of three finalists, uh, along with uh, Gerard Gallant. And I forget who the other guy is who was uh, one of the finalists for the award. But uh, and, and, and you're thinking it's probably going to be one of those two guys, right? Gallant in the New York market there. Did a good job with the Rangers. Uh, they've been floundering for years. And uh, he, he put some uh, right there on the map and uh, into the second round of the playoffs as well. Then you would have to think at least in there with a shot. They lost a heartbreaker themselves to Carolina in the first game. But I'm not sure that the postseason matters. Uh, so if it doesn't, uh, is the award just based on regular season? It would have to be. Yeah, yeah. Coach of the year, just like uh, all of these other awards or MVP and things like that. So, uh, wow, it's possible that Brunette could win Coach of the Year, and uh, yet at, at the same time, if they get swept by the Lightning, I, I, I would tend to fire the guy. I wouldn't you? keep him. I, I'd, the fact I'd that, say, look, you know what, this guy didn't have it together. I don't know so much about hockey, so I'm trying to leave it to other people. But there's a reason you have a coach, so it must matter. And we see these other. Uh, teams fire coaches, so who were successful? Over twenty-five power play in the post. That's got. There's got to be something a coach can do about the, the fact that every other team scored at least once a game on the power play, and they've now gone. Is it so? It's eight games. They've now gone eight games without, and they've had through four or more power plays in every game. I'm like, there's nothing you can do, and there's no activity. Like they will get it on the net, but there's no activity. Like all these other teams are getting rebounds, and they're they're rushing the net. Like they don't. To me, like, yeah. so what are you doing? There's nothing you can do differently? Like, come on. Your, your, your degenerate math is a little bit off there. I mean, if they played eight games and they had four power plays they, a game, they'd be over 32 they had on three, the uh, power play. They've had three or more. I would say three or but more. But exaggerating to make a point on Sports Talk is, is uh, yeah. <laughs> I, at least it's three like, or uh, more. Sports Talk 101. Well, let's embellish the point here by uh, making the numbers uh, as askew as A-Rod did in Major League Baseball with the stats. Uh, and then the Heat, that, that was, wow, that, that was an abortion uh, yesterday. Uh, they, they're up 10 early in the game, and yep. that's kind of where I left the uh, bar that I was watching uh, with my son after a tennis match. And they were thinking, oh, wow, they're looking good. So I flicked the thing on on the radio, and uh, by the time I got home, they, they were still in a great position. Yeah, they were in the game. And I turned away for a while, and uh, I come back to it, and they're down like 40. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, big difference there having Marcus Smart. Uh, Marcus Smart, uh, the defensive player of the year in the NBA. Uh, also, uh, after getting off to a very slow start offensively, <laughs> uh, ended up uh, yeah, ended up with twenty points, ten rebounds uh, in the ball game, and uh, what three nine steals? Assist. He had nine assists. He literally almost yeah. had a triple double. He and he's not that good offensively. That was just. A you think uh, Spall was uh, just uh, looking at what happened with Doc Rivers? Uh, he kind of yanked everybody a little bit early in that game. I mean, uh, do you have any chance when you're down thirty in the fourth quarter? Or do you just pull all of your players? Well, they just never made a run. I mean, you can see when this team's done this, like different points in this season, you can just see them sort of be like, eh. And it's not worth risking them. I I don't know what the hell last night was. I mean, look, the Celtics at least the night before made a run at some point and cut it to 10 with eight minutes left in the fourth. They never got really closer than that when the game was in the balance. But they at least did something. The game, like he never weren't, after the Celtics took a 23-21 lead, the Heat never made a run. Like, never did anything. I, that was a weird... Especially with Eastern Conference Finals at home, you'd really like to get up 2-0. Like, I, that, 
I don't know what the hell that was. Not, not a contentious game at all. I mean, just blowout was city all the way around. And, and I don't know about whether the Celtics doing anything particularly phenomenal in this game. Or no, they, no, they were hitting their shots. The, uh, Heat had nothing. They were hitting their shots, and he weren't getting bailed out by the Celtics missing open shots, but they were get, they were open shots. Like, the Heat's defense was a joke. Like, they just, they looked like they were like, all right, we got a split, but you're at home. At home, you're not looking for a split. <laughs> like, that's on the road no. that you want to split. At home, no, you, you want really 2-0. want to uh, put your uh, thumb on the jugular like, come there on. and, uh, you know, get up 2-0 and force Boston to hold serve and, and win two games at home. So uh, that, that, that looked very bleak. Uh, we've seen uh, it's been weird, the playoffs in the NBA. Uh, I believe I saw a stat last night that 21 of the uh, NBA playoff game so far have been decided by 20 points or more. Yeah, there have been a lot of blowouts. Mayo said it, it, it said it last night, and he's not wrong. Like, Not all the games, but most of the games have been blowouts. I don't know what's going on with these teams, but the ebbs and flows are super strong. It's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, that's 20 points or more in 21 games uh, have yeah. been decided in the postseason so far, and uh, we're uh, all right in, into the third round, but Nonetheless, uh, that, that's a surprising disparity and discrepancy when it comes to games that are normally very tightly contested and uh, teams pull back a little bit. All right, uh, Kate Brainer, uh, she's going to join us, what, uh, in a couple of minutes here, Ruby? Is that the deal? Yeah, yeah, supposed to join us uh, Okay, uh, very good. Uh, we'll, we'll connect with Kate Brainer. Uh, let me tell you about Hylia Park, uh, and Hylia Park would be a great place to punch away. I, I'm thinking about jogging down there tomorrow, Lou, and uh, betting the Preakness Stakes at Hylia Park and just hanging out there in the champion simulcasting room for their uh, the afternoon, because it, it was just such a great time there uh, at the Derby before the fights. And it reminded me how much I loved uh, that champion simulcasting room. I, I go to uh, various simulcasting places all around the country, and it's usually my first move is to check out where they have simulcasting. Uh, as nice a room as you'll find anywhere in the country. And that's indicative of what's going on in Hialeah all across the board because uh, you can go into the casino there. That is hopping. The Mustang loves that. Poker room, uh, everybody raves about it. Our good friend NASCAR Roger, uh, from whom we haven't heard for a while. It's been a while, yeah. What do you think? Is NASCAR Roger okay? Has he found it? Yeah, yeah, he was aware of the show, was he not? Yes, yeah, we, we've had him on the trivia challenge. He's he's played. Oh, he has? Okay, form, yeah. all right. I haven't heard from him for a while. So we, we always worry about that, you know, especially when it gets to, uh, you know, guys in our audience that, that are, uh, what, you know, getting up there a little bit in uh, years, been around for a while, you know, and they're telling stories about how much fun it was in the 50s, you know, to be here in Florida and go to Hialeah. But uh, he, he's a loyal uh, Hialeah supporter and uh, goes to the poker room all the time and says it's as good, as fine as any uh, you can find anywhere in the world. And that's pretty much true of everything, whether you're talking about the food and drink, the atmosphere, uh, the way they operate, uh, the uh, casino there. Uh, it's just unbelievable the way they treat people uh, with so much respect and dignity. And then uh, they're willing to give you a lot of free play also if you get a player's card. So uh, you're going to love it. Uh, the, the reason that they're so successful in this now casino business, when a lot of people doubted they would ever get it off the ground, is because uh, they actually uh, do believe in, in making it kind of a family affair, making you feel real good about being there. So uh, check it out for yourself. Uh, get that vibe going. Uh, it's always very exciting. And check out uh, the Black Eyed Susan today. And, of course, the Preakness Stakes going on tomorrow from the Champion Simulcasting Room at beautiful Ilya Park. All right, coming back with uh, Kate Bradar from Baltimore, Maryland, on the side of the Preakness. Later on, the professor and the gambling gourmet, Mike Mayo. It's a degenerate Friday. Very happy to have you guys with us. Uh, stick around. Should be a lot of fun. We'll get a lot of insight into a variety of things on the Degenerate Circuit. He's Mike Luby-Lubitz. I'm Jeff DeForest. We're on Ion Channel and back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. 723.
Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. You're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. Good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Verizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Jerry! Jerry Bailey! Jerry! Jerry Bailey! Jerry Bailey! Jerry Bailey! Jerry, can you win one tonight? Come on and win one. Make that horse move faster. Win one. Come on, it's been a disaster. Win one. I need some dough right now. Win one. Jerry Bailey, can you win one, please? Jerry. Jerry Bailey. <laughs> the morning just isn't right without Defo. We now return to the Defo Show. Always amazes me every time I hear that clip, the falsetto ability of Jersey Kyle Martinez. He should have been one of the Jersey boys, which he is. Uh, uh, this is great because, uh, you know, you worry in this industry about cell phone crap out and, of course, uh, Wi-Fi connections now with the uh, video element in play here. And we welcome from her uh, hotel room in Baltimore, side of the Preakness Stakes in Maryland, the lovely uh, TVG's uh, top analyst, in my opinion, one of the best in the business in any sport. At what she does, uh, the lovely Kate and Brainard joins us here on the show. Kate, and how are you? You look great. Oh, thank you, guys. I, I everything is good so far. So good. Um, got a good night's sleep. Ready for a big ninety-five degree plus Florida type day here wow. in Baltimore, Maryland. It's it's going to be steamy. Steamy and crowded, I, I would imagine. Uh, I've been watching some of the Pimlico races uh, leading up to this. And, uh, of course, we have the Black-Eyed Susan today, uh, which will not have Secret Oath, who uh, will run in the Derby. And, uh, of course, Secret Oath uh, did uh, help, uh, what, key a big score for you on the Derby? Because, unlike me, you went ahead and, and took advantage of the uh, successful wheel. I was going to backwheel Epicenter in the race in Exactus. Didn't do it, of course. And everybody, I mean, to the people that I owe money to, I did not have it for the hundred thousandth time. <laughs> that was so funny. 
Everybody thinks I cop like, uh, you know, yeah. six grand. I know you had it for three dollars. Like I, I had nothing. I, I feel like a fool. Luby heard me whining for the next four hours. And uh, here I am a week later and I'm still crying. Still crying. Uh, but you uh, well, you had secret oath in that, that uh, Oaks Derby double. And, and that had to be a lot of fun watching. Did you know that was the 21 or are you thinking that was a two or 23 no, to one? That, that I, came I thought it was the two. I really yeah. did. Um, and, and all of us were kind of who is that? Who is that? We're scrambling. Yeah. And then it. it they they have to come up with a different color though for the number twenty one saddle yes. towel because it really did look white when he crossed the finish line, which is the two. So and then you could only see the two, you couldn't see the twenty one. But um, fortunately, we didn't have to call the race. And um, once we figured, it was sort of delayed jubilation, you know, of, uh, yeah. after we finally realized who it was because it certainly was the best possible scenario. If you were going to be completely wrong about the, <laughs> the race, you can at least. Yeah come up with something that nobody had. Well, and that's part of the beauty of it. And uh, I don't know that that element is in play here in the Preakness, although there seems to be a wide cross-section of opinion as to uh, how this is going to play out. Uh, you know, it was interesting, too, because, you know, you, you've been around the racetrack, uh, you know, a long, long time ago, all the way back to Calder, and I've been at racetracks my whole life. And you usually have jockey recognition. Uh, the jockey recognition factor is strong. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're all looking at the screen there. And uh, Louie's like, uh, yeah, who, who's that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I thought Sonny Leon was a backup catcher for the Tigers. <laughs> 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 and I didn't recognize the guy. It looked a little bit like Renee Douglas might have had him out there in a the race. But, uh, you know, and, and that was that was a pleasant surprise to see that, uh, you know, horse come across there with, with the 21 saddle. And then everybody, I got high-fived so hard by some, uh, it was a, you know, largely Latin crowd, as you might imagine at Hialeah and a guy high five me so hard. I think I broke my hand because <laughs> they had it. Right. And then, uh, I know just enough Spanish to know that they were screaming that the horse was 80 to one. Sonny Leon. I mean, how did you not have it? Right. That's exactly. Everybody had Beltera also, uh, I probably had at least a, a couple bucks on him just because it was Sonny Leon. Um, you know, that to me was one of the, besides cash and the ticket was one of the best parts of the, the story because, I think it kind of reinforces the idea that there are a lot of really good riders out there that are never getting a horse that's capable of running in the Derby or they don't get the chance. I mean, if they did, you would see it's horse racing, not jockey racing. And I will, I have a lot of respect for the jocks and they can, there are some jockeys that can make a difference, but at the end of the day, there are so many more that are capable if they got the chance. And that's kind of what the Derby was all about in that moment was showing that, you know, it's not a story of anybody can win. It's still a pretty specific profession that requires some skills. And I mean, Sonny had uh, nerves of steel to sit in the pocket the way he did uh, when he was completely behind Tawny Port. And he was also a little lucky that Tawny Port kept on going um, for enough time for him to get that path, get momentum. But he still made that split-second decision to go around Messier in the stretch, who was tiring. If he doesn't do that, he doesn't win the race, in my opinion. So um, I, I think, you know, he showed that there are a lot of good riders out there that don't get the credit like him. Well, and we discussed this on Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. Uh, I, I would believe it to be unprecedented that a, a jockey who won the Kentucky Derby had his next mount at Belterra yeah. Park <laughs> in Ohio. See, and then at the end of the race... Something- 
Yeah, There's go ahead. To be said for for working on Mondays and Tuesdays at uh, TVG because I did know who Sonny Leon was. Oh yeah, never felt never heard of on the office. Oh yeah, because uh, you know they're showing those races where uh, you know the evil voice in my head is telling me to go out to the simulcasting facility nearby, uh, which would be the uh, Isle Casino in Pompano Beach here where I live, or. or you know, and, and, and one voice is saying, go out there. And then your, your other voice is saying, no, wait till the end of the week when the real tracks are running. <laughs> Don't be that, out there, uh, you know, losing your bankroll on Mahoning and Belterra. Which, that third uh, voice is your wife telling you stay home and mow the lawn. <laughs> exactly. No, you, know, you know, what really sucks about all of this, uh, you know, electronic communication now is uh, it's impossible to hide a bank withdrawal or an ATM hit. <laughs> <laughs> or a credit card, uh, you know, uh, maximizing, uh, you know, move where, you know, you're, you're paying $40 in juice for every hundred that you get, but you're so desperate, you go ahead and do it. At uh, the end of the race, though, it looked like a race from the Hippodromo or something, because uh, I didn't recognize <laughs> the jockey. The 21 wins it. The lighting is bad. You're trying to figure out who who was that horse. And, and then uh, the prices were just as bizarre. So uh, it was a it's lot the, of fun. The ultimate let it ride racing experience, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it would have been nice to get a piece of that exacta, but I don't want to bring that up again. Uh, all right, uh, you know me. I, I, I love signs from the gods of gambling, and so I, I can't help it, but in the Black Eyed Susan today, can you help me make a case for radio days? Oh, yeah. Pimlico? For sure. I mean, uh, that did not pick her on top, but I really went back and forth. And in fact, I believe my, um, my colleague, Gabby Gaudette, is very, very bullish on radio days. And uh, I... You know, you, you believe in science, Jeff. I have run in to the, uh, an assistant, longtime assistant, who's here with Suge McGahee's horses. Like, every time I turn the corner, in fact, she said to me yesterday, are you following me? Because <laughs> we ended up. And you might and have I been. Said, <laughs> I said, you know what that means? You're probably going to win the race. Because every time that happens and I run into somebody over and over and over again, the, their horse runs big. But, you know. I think that she's sitting on a big race. I think that the the seven furlong Beaumont was kind of, I don't want to say it was a prep because it was an important race. And and I think they would have liked to have won. But at the same time, she kind of, um, I I thought she showed that what she wants to do is go longer. And this gave her the setup to really excel as she stretches out. So um, I think that she's very, very live. I, and of course, with the name, you got to go with radio days. Yes. but I, I am going with... Uh, Especially since our radio days have been done. Uh, now numbered. <laughs> <in the past. laughs> <We're> done. <laughs> well, which brings me to my, my selection, which is distinctly possible. Um, <laughs> that uh, that uh, Chad Brown, she's a little under the radar. She's a little less experienced than, than some of the others in here. But um, her last race was really good. Uh, she won at uh, a maiden special weight at Keeneland. I know it was a maiden race, but it was sort of a coming out party, in my opinion. Before that, she actually ran second to um, Juju's map, who I think is is kind of among the best in the category, but was a little behind the eight ball in getting ready um, for for 2022. So that's why you don't see her in these races. But um, I I just think she's I think you're going to get a good price on a Chad Brown horse that nobody's really talking about and that I think is on par with the top fillies in here. But um, this year much like the Derby was going into it when we said, you know, five, six, seven horses that you can make a strong case for and truly maybe a race anybody can win, which indeed it turned out to be, to me, the Oaks is this year, as opposed to the Preakness, because I think the Preakness, you can narrow down, um, but the 
uh, excuse me, the black eyed Susan, but the black eyed Susan, you can, I, I think, throw a net over them and and that's the way you're going to catch the winner. I think you've helped the gods embellish uh, my case, too, uh, with Radio Days, since you were making, uh, at least according to this uh, Shug McGahey assistant, TikTok McLaughlin type of, type of moves <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> to find out if Seabiscuit was really going to run in the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, you know, Rich Strike wins, uh, pays 160 plus. Keys, uh, enormous exotics. Uh, anybody that had a piece was thrilled with this year's Derby. And, and yet, uh, you know, uh, people uh, pay a lot of attention to the Derby and then subsequently want to root two weeks later for the possibility of a Triple Crown winner uh, emerging. And, and then the three weeks of anticipation up to the Belmont are, are always great. And, uh, you know, a lot of different things can happen, but uh, the horse doesn't run and yeah. immediately fuels speculation that this uh, horse uh, will be running in some Latin country, maybe at the Hippodromo next, and that the connections will find a way to make their way into a non-extraditable country and, and walk off with, with the purse money. But uh, do you buy that uh, it was just simply the owner's decision because he thought that the two weeks was too short of a time to run this horse back? And should there be a change? I guess this is the even larger question. To the structure, in your opinion, Kate and Brainer of TVG and uh, many other affiliations and distinctions, uh, should they consider changing the format and stretching the Triple Crown out? I, my opinion is that it's not going to change the idea of whether or not the Derby winner runs back, and it's not going to change whether or not you get a bigger field. And to me, it's going to make it harder to win the Triple Crown if you stretch it out more because the likelihood of having a horse, one horse that can make it through a longer period of time through three races is less likely than the shorter period of time. But that said, it doesn't bother me if they do. I mean, because it stops people from saying they should change it. And it also silences the people who mistakenly believe that two weeks is too short a time for horses to run back. So um, I, I don't buy that theory. But at the same time, I'd be happy enough if people stopped talking about it and kept thinking that that is a problem. So, it's, yeah. it's, uh, uh, you know, it eliminates one 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 thing that we're talking about. But I'm sure they'll find some other things. But um, I, I don't think it solves the problems. But I also am not one that's like gonna, at this point, I mean, the only tradition I'm gonna dig my heels in on is me or you guys, right? Let's <laughs> all keep getting together and keep working and getting to uh, get paid to talk about horse racing and uh, show up at the races and bet. But um, other than that, I, you know, I think, I think you gotta evolve to survive. So if, uh, if maybe give it a try and see if it works. I mean, you remember uh, D. Wayne Lucas uh, from like the distant past. And I was thinking this morning, like most of the guys that were at his level of training, uh, you know, fabled trainers uh, going back into the 80s, that they're long gone. Uh, either out of the game or unfortunately, you know, at that uh, big racetrack in the sky, uh, trying to get a, you know, a couple of good horses to uh, be in their stable. But uh, should he not be a bigger story? I, I don't know. I'm not hearing as much about D. Wayne. Uh, you know, there's an article here and there, but. I mean, uh, is entering this filly in the Preakness uh, after coming out of the Kentucky Oaks with a legitimate shot to win? I mean, uh, there are many people, uh, many people that believe that uh, he's going to win this race at 86. If she were in the Black Eyed Susan, she'd be like three to five or less. Yeah. Um, so and she's proven she can be competitive with the Colts. And I think that I, I personally don't know that she is if she runs her best race. And Epicenter runs his best race. I don't know if she beats Epicenter. And that's that's kind of why. But I think um, 
I think it is a huge story and it's uh, it is amazing to see her. She still looks very, very good. I know people have talked about she's not the biggest. She's big in her frame, but she doesn't carry a lot of weight. She's a very lean machine, um, if you will. And I think people mistakenly think that, you know, oh, it's one race too many. Um, at some point, maybe that'll be the case, but I don't know. I haven't seen it. I think she still looks really good, and I think she's sitting on another big race. But I think Epicenter might be a little better. It's From a storyline standpoint, though, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better story than 86-year-old Wayne That's Lucas, crazy. who's... You know, but what what's also really fun about this is somebody said, Kenny Rice came up to me and said, you remember about 30 years ago when the person everybody wanted to demonize was what Dwayne Lucas, because yeah. he was like in his glory days at the head of the game and everybody was accusing him and finger pointing and, you know, and loved to, he was the guy everybody loved to hate because he was on top of the, the world and kind of the groundbreaker, in fact, for kind of big name, Dwayne off the plane, you know, travel and take the money type of uh, modus operandi. And um, now he's everybody's favorite grandfather that uh, <laughs> yeah. can't get enough so of, right? And they yeah, exactly. love him. So it's, guys, it's kind of fun to see. Guys are buying uh, cowboy hats. Have you ever heard uh, Santa Anita track announcer uh, Frank Miramati got his start uh, at Hylia Park, uh, where they launched a lot of great announcing careers? Uh, have you ever heard his D. Wayne Lucas impression? I have not. I'll have to. That one. No, it's brilliant. Oh, he's great. He's great. <laughs> Baffert loves it, man. Baffert will call him over. To, uh, you know, he'll invite him out to Spago just to have him do the D. Wayne Lucas impression because, uh, you know, a, a, as any uh, impressionist does, he tends to harpoon and exaggerate, you know, some of the uh, more comical aspects of, of what the man says and, and how he says it. But uh, uh, just a quick story. I, I, and, you know, our, our good friend, mutual friend, Hank Goldberg, uh, was one of these, and when he was on the radio, very competitive, uh, you know, I'm the one breaking all the stories and I get all the big names. So, uh, Miramonte calls us one day, uh, before, uh, some big race in the triple crown as D Wayne Lucas. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's a total fraud. Right. And, and I, I never forget Hank comes on his show and he goes, uh, yeah, yeah. I heard they had D Wayne Lucas on this morning, but I had lunch with him this afternoon. <laughs> 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 I'm like, Hank, man, you didn't know that was like a gag? I mean, <laughs> how crazy is that? But uh, no, so I, I always have a little D. Wayne in my head. Uh, we're all about winning here. I mean, uh, the way that he says it, uh, he sounds almost like a little bit of a cartoon character. Uh, all right. Uh, so who's going to win? Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm all in on, on Skippy Longstocking, a horse uh, that has my dog's name involved. Um, maybe a stretch uh, of the imagination there, uh, at least according to Vic Cangelosi in the New York post, uh, this horse is uh, not going to finish any better than an eighth. Uh, and, and, and there's a, uh, you know, the, the usual new shooters uh, for the Preakness, including one that the owners supplemented to the tune of, I mean, does 160 or 150,000 mean so little to these guys that they just go ahead and fire it up or uh, does not, not, you know, imply that they have a firm conviction they can win the race. So, so how do you see it shaken out all these different elements? Well, you know, I, I think that unlike the Derby, there's a little less speed than there was in this time in the Preakness. You've got um, a horse who's the long shot, who's not going to be 80 to 1 because so many people are now going to bet on him. when Fenwick, he's really, that's your horse. That is Fenwick. Now, I, he's certainly my rooting interest, yeah. but I, and I would love to see it. I don't necessarily, I, I mean, I'm not betting on this horse outside of the wheels and things uh, that he'll be a part of and, 
But Don't you have to slap an obligatory yeah, what happened? How do you not? Horse, uh, well, uh, Caitlin, uh, orange, blue, riding. Fenwick the after the derby. The science. The science. Here's, my, uh, here's the deal. I will. I'll use him in terms of an all button, and then I win if he wins. Believe all me. Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No. You make that uh, like you a What's the purse here? Like a couple of million? It's got to be great. <laughs> but, but he. I don't think. I, I mean, I don't see it. I will say he's a beautiful horse. I was I was watching him yesterday, Gray's, and he really is. Um, he's got a lot of size. But, uh, you know, he so he does have the potential, though, to make a mark on the race by kind of screwing things up for early yeah. voting because early voting has speed. And, you know, I was on early voting's bandwagon until the Derby. And then Modonegal didn't run very well, and Modonegal beat early voting and the Wood Memorial curse, it just hasn't proven to be that great of a race as far as the quality was concerned. So I thought maybe I was wrong about early voting in the early stages. Um, maybe he's not quite as good. That could turn out to be a mistake that could haunt me. So um, I'm not using early voting, but he is part of the pace trained by uh, Chad Brown, who did this kind of move with cloud computing where he sat out the derby, opts for the Preakness and wins it wouldn't shock me if he does, but he may have to deal with uh, Fenwick on the lead. And I think also you're going to see probably Epicenter a little closer to the pace, but he doesn't have to be on the lead. And that's that's his biggest strength. So I've got Epicenter to win. I see no reason why he can't. I mean, he's I think he's the best three year old right now. And if he maintains his form, he really should win this race. And and I should add, if uh, if Joel Rosario doesn't um, mess it up, that's what we always say to to Florent before he goes out on a horse we we like a lot. Just don't mess it up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I think the horse is there, and yeah. so he's top pick, which is no fun because he'll be favored. Mm. Um, I'm going to use Creative Minister, as you mentioned, uh, the horse that was supplemented. I think. Kenny McPeak would have saved the owners the trouble of supplementing if he didn't believe the horse was at least going to be competitive. I don't know if he can win, but I think he could hit the board. He was impressive when he won last time out. He can sit kind of that stalking pace. He doesn't have to be so far out of it, but he'll still come up with a, a nice late kick. And then um, you can go a lot of different directions. I threw in early voting to hang around for third, but secret oath impresses me more and more every day. So um, she's going to be a horse that I'm going to throw in like any exactas and trifectas because I I kind of was, I thought maybe this would turn out to be one race too many, but when I've seen her at, uh, and it's just brief, I just, she doesn't look like she's lost much to me. Well, in uh, the spirit of Let It Ride, uh, has our uh, mutual friend Todd Shrupp made a selection yet? Because, uh, you know, <laughs> the line from Let It Ride that always stands out is uh, after the guy, uh, you know, mentions a horse, he says, put a line through it. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know what? I'm going to have to look. He's either on, I know he's either on Epicenter or um, he's on uh, the whole TVG crew. It was yeah. very interesting. All of us, I just saw it come out last night, and all of us have got, except for one, have um, Epicenter or Secret Oath. I think Matt Carruthers threw in a bomber. and I, I, I mean, tend to put a line through his horses. Relatively so. speaking, yeah. Christina Blacker put um, early voting. All right. So that was good. And and that was, I mean, that's it. Everybody else was either Epicenter or Secret Oath. So right. I, that could be really good. What about the Sarge? Really Where's the Sarge? <laughs> Is the Sarge involved? 
Uh, I don't know if he, I'm not sure who he's picking, but I think he's here someplace. Oh, yeah. Usually he goes to the Timonium sale. So there's a lot of, a lot of trainers who do that uh, huge double. They go to the Timonium sale and they pick up the Preakness. Oh, very nice. Uh, all right. Um, so your selection is uh, for the crowd out there? Epicenter. Epicenter. Going to do it. Uh, almost had it in the Derby. Big shocker uh, up the rail. That uh, turned out, uh, you know, uh, great. Now, now when are we going to see you on TVG? Because uh, so happy that you're involved in the coverage on this race. Uh, I'm glad you got to enjoy the Derby. That, that had to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've had that, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, you're involved in a broadcast uh, most of the time, but then you have the night off and you get to enjoy a big event. Uh, so I would imagine you had a blast at the Derby. But uh, when can we see you on TVG? I will be today. I'm picking up the second half of the day um, and I will be on tomorrow, but we'll be on pretty much TVG's coverage kicks off uh, very early because of an early post time today. So we're on at, I think, 11 Eastern. And, oh, nice. And I pick up about uh, halfway, not even halfway. I think it's about the fourth race um, I start. And then tomorrow, again, early early start and TVG's on all day until NBC's coverage. We won't be broadcasting on site. Um, that's when, but we will show all the races. So you can uh, tune in and I'll be on pretty much all day from, from there as well. In the, I, it necessitated going out and buying some different clothes because I didn't oh, yeah? pack wow. for 95 degrees both days. But it, it really is supposed to be record-breaking heat both today and tomorrow. Wow, I, I hope they have some strong fans there uh, on the set. And I don't mean uh, the guys that are screaming and yelling right. for the horses <laughs> and uh, plunging uh, their brains out. Now, now any uh, special approach on a hat? Do you have a lucky hat for the occasion? You know, this year I do not even have a hat yet. Oh, so all right. I'm, I'm going to go and see who's. Because I love the new do. I, I mean, uh, the new hairstyle <laughs> is brilliant. Everybody's been uh, highly complimentary, I see, on uh, all of the TVG uh, social media. Excellent. Yeah. As long as they're still talking about you, I'm, I'm <laughs> happy. So, just. <laughs> uh, yeah, we look forward to your brilliant work. Uh, I'm going to tune in early this morning here and uh, catch uh, much of the festivities there and uh, try and pick up some things. You guys are very insightful there on the backstretch and all over the place, and a lot of good reporting being going, being done by the people at TVG, and uh, especially you when you're in that anchor chair, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, thanks so much for getting up early with us, and uh, it worked out well. Uh, you know, I, I was saying cell phone crap out and weak Wi-Fi. There you go. Uh, now the bigger nemesis uh, with the video streaming, but uh, it was brilliant uh, as always. Kate Radar. Thank thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good luck, guys. You as well. All right, thanks so much, Kate and Brainer, ladies and gentlemen. That was great, huh? Yes, Kate sir. Oh, it's very refreshing to have uh, Kate on the show. All right, speaking of refreshing, and, and you know Please what? Stand I was by, thinking, ready to go. People, uh, you know, think that I'm like, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, leaning towards being overwhelmingly sarcastic about everything. Here I am, and uh, I don't know if the professor's going to do the big board of Tim Tebow speeches. <laughs> someday, I don't know if he had that many speeches, but I'm sure he could do I, I think you could spend some time on Tebow uh, dissecting sure some the of the oddities, can. including that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, how strong is your commitment to God that you could be? How many years was he at Florida? Like four? Was he there the whole time? Yeah, he went to senior year. Yeah, four. Yeah. Four years at the University of Florida, and he was never tempted to break away from the notion that somehow having sex was going to ruin his relationship with God. What do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know anyone that chose. You're 18 years old. You're as horny as you will ever be in your lifetime. <laughs> This, this is your prime, man. This is Dr. J when he was in the ABA. I mean, come on. And, uh, never? Come on. Temptation? Be, you're the quarterback at the University of Florida. 
And, uh, you know, you're getting a – imagine – I don't know how much money did they pay Tebow to go to Florida. What do you think? No uh, idea. Because uh, what would he have done in name, image, and likeness? Oh, I don't know. He would have set record. I mean – which you have to love, our boy Nick coming out there and now backtracking and uh, in a fight, of course, with one of your other favorites, that turncoat piece of crap, uh, Jimbo Fisher, mm-hmm. who left you so high and dry that you've had a series of nothing but uh, questionable coaching decisions made ever since, huh? including, I don't know, is the jury still out on Mike yes, Carvel? 100%. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. What's he doing? Uh, no, he even no. bought primetime into it, man. I mean, uh, Saban is in an Affleck commercial with primetime, uh, yes. right? Deion Sanders. Yes, yes. And then he goes out and just flat out insults him. <laughs> Even if it's true. Come on, Nick. What do you think? Your record is clean? Mm-hmm. Is that what he's complaining about? That he's like uh, doing everything by a book? And uh, there is no book on this, Nick. I'm sorry. The book is out the door there uh, with Mark Emmert and all of these clowns from the NCAA. It's over, my friend. Right? This is right out of Rambo. It's over, Johnny. Mm-hmm. It's over. <laughs> all right. The professor coming up next uh, yep. with the big board, Mike Mayo, the gambling gourmet will be with us as well. Uh, and I, I'm wondering, I mean, uh, the guy is so mixed up right now uh, based on the fact that, and this has to be horrifying to him to realize that he was right about the lightning sweep. And you're in a position now where I don't know what you could have gotten on that. Uh, maybe you can look up the odds, uh, what they were of a lightning sweep of the Panthers in round two of the NHL playoffs. Uh, and and, and he, he, doesn't, he does a mind bet on this thing and then backs out of it and says that I'm a clown for suggesting it's going to happen. Unbelievable. How much how lost uh, can you be than Mike Mayo is right now? We'll find out when he joins us after the professor. That's coming up next here. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, great place to go. Mile marker 104, Key Largo. You can't beat it. Looking for a great uh, place to relax over the weekend. Uh, wow. I mean, you head right out of Florida City. It's a short jog from Broward County even if you're a South Floridian, which uh, many of our listeners and viewers are. And you're here in town and you're thinking, I want to completely change my whole vibe for the weekend. Right down there to uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, Mile Marker 104, the Overseas Highway. Great food, great drink, great atmosphere. We've all been there. Professor was down there uh, with us, and uh, he's in the restaurant business, and he had nothing but high praise for Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill because everything was just absolutely superb, and yet uh, you still had that uh, relaxed Keeves vibe uh, that uh, you were seeking out. So you got a little bit of a change of environment and change of atmosphere. It's fantastic. Check it out for yourself. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, Mile Marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. Professor coming up next with the big board. Later on to Gambling Gourmet, Mike Mayo. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. Our thanks to Kate and Brainard. Uh, brilliant performance as always on a degenerate Friday here on the Defoe Show. Back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. Oh, and I was asked by one of our fans to mention uh, the retirement of Mick Hubert. There you go. Which, uh, you know, and, and he actually uh, acknowledged that we refrained from playing farm animals in the background when Hubert was on the show. Because we had so much uh, just outright respect for the guy being the voice of the Gators for all of those years. And even if you hated the Gators and the sound of his voice, you knew exactly what you were listening to the minute you turned on the radio. It didn't take two seconds to identify, wow, that's Mick Hubert and that's a Gator game. And I think, you know, that's at the essence of what you would like if you were uh, hiring a guy to and, and keeping a guy around to be your college football announcer. Same thing uh, said, same could be said for Gene Deckeroff, mm-hmm. right? Florida State, who also, uh, right, isn't he retired? Gino's yep, hanging it up. Yep. Yeah. Wow. There's room at the top, Luby. There you go. Wouldn't that be ironic if you made it as the longtime announcer of the Florida Gators football program? That would be great. Okay, let's go up to the booth and Mike Luby Limits. I can't believe these 
you know, and you start using uh, all kinds of uh, foul language. You're referring to the Gator football team that you're supposed to admire. All right, Professor, up next here in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 7.54. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Catholic Health Services is committed to care that changes as your needs do. Our full continuum of services is designed to be there throughout your care journey. If you need assistance with daily living, post-acute care following a serious health event, or additional medical care at home, we also offer skilled nursing and palliative and hospice care. Your care needs may change, but our commitment never does. Catholic Health Services, South Florida's number one choice for post-acute and end-of-life care. Visit catholichealthservices.org. How many gamblers did I bail out last weekend with my game of the year? A $100 better made $10,000. A $500 better made $50,000. Well, I got six games on Sunday that I'm releasing absolutely free. These games are a burial, a blowout, a human lock. You can bet your children's unborn children's children on these six games absolutely free. Oh, I believe. I believe. We now return to the Defoe Show. Welcome back to the show. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lou. It's the Defoe Show here on IO on Channel, a degenerate Friday. And uh, it's always a pleasure to welcome this gentleman, become a, a big hit with his uh, professor's big board to the program. And of course, he's always been doing a dynamic job for us uh, when it comes to picking winners here on the show, especially college football and uh, college basketball. And then uh, extrapolating out due to COVID uh, concerns, all of a sudden he uh, is hitting like a champ on Australian rules football. And now the USFL <laughs> is almost like an ATM machine for this guy. Uh, just unbelievable the way he's hitting games. The professor joins us here on the show. Professor, how are you, my friend? Um, I'm, I'm not so great. I mean, for all my cynicism, I'm a South Florida fo- sports fan. And, and last night was not great. I'm, I'm a little relieved to find the Lubies alive because I sent him a text yeah. the second quarter of the heat game. I didn't get an answer. And I thought it <laughs> could be I, like, I the, you know, I'm, I'm taking a whole bottle full of Tylenol pit PM and we'll see if they'll wake up in the morning time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was very much, uh, you know, uh, lo- looking like uh, Johnny Depp, you know, uh, after uh, some brawl with uh, Amber Heard. Uh, and, and, you know, it was sort of, I, I don't know that it was inexplicable that they would lose, but uh, I mean, like that. in that fashion, I mean, uh, that was kind of frightening. Was and then I, I don't know how big of a Florida Panther fan you are. I'm assuming that, that they were, you know, are interested. Oh, not at all. Okay. Not because, uh, doesn't care at all. That was brutal. I mean, uh, and, and the brutal part of it is going to be they scored later with two on. two seconds left, right? Yes. Uh, just under four, yeah, 3.8 seconds, yeah. Okay. But irrelevant. I mean, inside the last couple of seconds, you lose a game like that. My God. It was impossible. I mean, 
in I hockey, mean, it's not like a guy made happen. a tip in at the buzzer in uh, basketball. I mean, I'm not really ridiculous. that upset about the whole Panthers thing, although I am cheering for the Panthers. My limited knowledge of hockey includes the fact that Tampa Bay just absolutely owns the Florida Panthers. Yes. Uh, it has for a number of years. So I'm not shocked by that. Probably kind of a bad break that once again they're running into the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Heat, a lot more disturbing. Um, you know, there, there are several explanations. The one that comes back to me is just very uncommon under the Eric Spolstra era. You know, we've we're not the biggest fans of Eric Spolster when he first got hired. With you know, Mickey hired his car washer to be the coach. He was filming his kids' bar mitzvah. That, <laughs> he's that actually become a really yeah. excellent coach. And yes. the one thing you haven't seen out of Eric Spolster teams is like the flatness you saw um, after they got up. I don't know ten points early yes. in the game. Uh, just really a, a, a lazy effort. There's no other way to say yeah. it for the Miami Heat. In that sense, I'm not really that concerned. On the other hand, we've got this trend going on where it's Jimmy Butler goes to the free throw line 15 to 20 times and scores 40 points, or otherwise the Miami Heat have absolutely no offensive answers. That's the only off offense Miami's had for, you know, a series and a yeah, half now. And uh, that, you know, that's probably not a good answer for winning this series, and it's definitely not a good answer for winning a championship. So that one's a, a little bit more concerning to me. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler's been razor sharp too. I mean, uh, oh, he's my been son great. and I were great even last night. talking about it. I don't know that I. I mean, uh, I, I always saw him as an uh, impactful player, uh, whether he was uh, with the Bulls or the Sixers. But uh, you know, here in this stretch of games in the postseason, and even you know late in the regular season, uh, this guy he, he doesn't do anything wrong. I mean, he just uh, he's dynamite uh, with his moves at the offensive end. Uh, like you said, gets to the stripe uh, an inordinate number of times. Which is and, the thing that surprises me, honestly. Yeah. Because while he's obviously hugely popular down here, I don't know that nationally Jimmy Butler no, no. is recognized on that superstar level. But he's been giving that given that superstar level of respect by the reps. Yes. Which you usually don't see that combination. The, generally speaking, in the NBA, only superstars you know get to shoot twenty free throws and. Butler's been doing it pretty frequently during the the last, you know, he's having a Tyler Hansborough in college type of run uh, through the NBA playoffs. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's been great for the Miami Heat. But again, is that a long-term solution no, for the, this playoff run? I don't think it is, no. No, if the other guys are going to be as lame as they've been, uh, you know, including uh, Luby's favorite Bam Adebayo, Man, who he likes to point fingers at. I mean, you have to be a contributor on offense. And, uh well, the Celtics uh, were not the same team in, in game one because uh, they were missing the defensive player of the year who ends up uh, scoring 20 points and grabbing 10 Wait, boards. Did Marcus Smart actually win the defensive player of the year? Yeah. Yeah, they, they just put up a bunch of guys that really weren't That's that good on joke. defense. What do you mean, Mikel Bridges? Bridges isn't a great defender. He's not really that good defensively. Like, he, I mean, sorry. Uh, wait a minute. I mean, I, crap about do you have, to, do you have to put a qualifier on here that he's from Boston? So, no, I don't. Well, right. again, there's this whole myth with Marcus Smart that Marcus Smart can defend big wings and even fours on occasion, and he, he just does it. He he, does. he defends twos and, and ones. He's very good at on ball ones and twos. Yes, but he's not really that great at anything else. I mean. Again, nobody really loves Draymond Green, but Draymond Green could win the defensive player yeah. of the year every year if Marcus Smart is the competition. And I realize like he's got like that whole heart of the team thing going with Boston, which is 
usually an excuse they say for guys who are gigantic bricklayers, which Market Smart <laughs> absolutely is up until the second half last night, mysteriously. Um, and then he turned into Larry Bird somehow in the middle of the third <laughs> quarter, yeah. including the hitting from behind the backboard shot, which I, 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 honestly, if I was full straw, I would have probably just put the bums in at that point when that shot went in. Yes. Cause like the heat had gone like a little mini run to cut it to like 18 or 20 when it was 30. And then Marcus smart hits that Larry bird shot from behind the backboard. I would have just quit at that point. Honestly, I'd be like, screw it. Let's take a forfeit. Holy Hubie Brown, man. Uh, the professor channeling his inner Hubie uh, here on the show. Uh, all right. Um, are, are you going to do some uh, USFL games? How would you make out last week? We uh, are, but I have a couple of questions because I made yeah. the mistake of listening to the show earlier before right. I came on. And it always leaves me baffled. Number one, there will be no big board of Tim Tebow. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking during my walk of life, I said, you know what? When the <laughs> could slaughter this topic. When the Supreme Tebow. Court of the United States starts not only listening to Tim Tebow, but starts making national laws based on Tim Tebow's view. Yes. Fuck Tim Tebow. I don't want to hear anything more about him. I'm not going to talk about the guy. But you've got Samuel Alito quoting Tim Tebow in a goddamn landmark Supreme Court decision. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow's had way too much influence yeah. on our goddamn culture. Yes, I'm with you a thousand percent. Number two, what kind of bougie-ass tennis club did you join that you're playing on clay courts? And he stuff always plays on clay, always. Steve like really? a big clay you don't, guy. You don't play play a way to go, yeah. Always, yeah. They yeah, have, they have clay? clay or, like, are we talking red clay, rolling arrows? Yeah. No, no. There's oh, a standard clay clay. court that's, uh, you know, pretty much common in almost every uh, public uh, facility here. Okay, uh, I'm picturing you like Tomas Mooster out there in the knee brace. <laughs> well, that's why, you, that's why you want to be in the clay. Brilliant. No, you want to be on a clay because, uh, look, at 71, uh, my knees have taken more than their share of beatings uh, over the years. We used to play everything on cement when I was growing up as a kid. And, uh, no, it's a very, very uh, forgiving surface. And it's a lot of fun to play on because uh, you can track down a lot of balls that uh, you may not get to on the hard courts. Although hard court surfaces are changing also so that they're they're a little bit slower. Than okay, they used to I, be. We have a couple right here in my house, but I, I much prefer playing on the clay to any, and, and almost anybody would tell you the same thing. I think. I thought you had joined some ultra expensive tennis club. No, oh, no, Pompano Municipal Bugera. Park. It's Beautiful park. Pompano it's Beach. Park. Somehow, all that money that the foundry's sending in in taxes uh, is uh, <laughs> funneling, uh, you know, my its way into my uh, tennis. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. good. Honestly, it's as good as building more marinas and stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it's that of the fishing tournaments, so I'm okay with it. Number two, yeah. did I really hear Luby say Florida State is a top 20 college now? Uh, public, that, public school, yeah, they're a top 20 public school. top public 20 school. public school in Florida? No, 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 no. They're Our the last four years in a row. heavily on women's softball? <laughs> no, like, they, they used to be a top 20 football school. Get, no, they're not that. Women's softball. <laughs> You're, Florida State is a top twenty public public school in public academics. school public school yeah Florida's top five they have been like four top Florida's the last four years top straight five yeah Florida pub, wouldn't be top public. five in the state of California what are no, you talking look, about look at public schools remember public schools they throw a lot of schools in there that you throw up there with academics what are you talking about public yeah, schools Harvard. remember it doesn't it takes out the Harvard it takes out the MIT. Virginia, those are got, four right off the you top. You got Louis babbling now. Be ahead of Florida. I'm not babbling. Yeah. UCLA's I'm you, got to be ahead of Florida. Anyway, is that's yeah. Wow. All right. Something has uh, happened, obviously, because when I was coming out of school, like Florida State begged me to come there, <laughs> and I was not the most qualified student in the history of humanity. 
to say the least. So I don't know what's going on. If Florida State is a top 20 public schools, uh, you know, a lot of other schools have gone significantly downhill. October 8th, do they uh, exchange blows? At the center of the field, Jimbo and uh, oh god, and old Nick. Oh yeah, after he, this uh, you know war of words there. Jimbo was not happy. He was not willing oh, to Jimbo. accept uh, Nick's lame apology, Jimbo such which a- came after the fact and drew no attention anywhere around the world. As, okay, as I heard someone make a very interesting comment yeah. about this, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, but number one, everything Nick Saban said is true. Like I don't know why anybody's mad about it. I'm yeah. sorry, Jimbo. Yes. You may not have directly been the bag man and gone and delivered, you know, sacks full of cash to these players. But, yes, your school paid for this recruiting class to come. Every school is now in one way or another paying for these recruiting classes. It's no secret why Travis Hunter went to play for Dion. It's got nothing to do with, you know, loyalty to Dion as a coach or any of the other. Not. It's because the Barstool guys gave him three million dollars. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it's well known. Yeah. yeah, like I, I don't I, like people are acting like Nick Saban let the cat out of the bag with all of this. These have been public stories for months and months and months. I mean, I get that nobody likes Nick Saban, so we all want to think everything he says is coming out of the mouth of a scumbag and a liar. In this particular case, I don't know why anybody's mad at him. I did see an interesting comparison, um, and it was much like the old Soviet bloc did. After the fall of the wall, uh, the Berlin Wall, college sports and college football and basketball in particular have gone from straight up communism to straight up capitalism. And they did it over the course of about three days. Yeah. yeah. Um, And what we saw when all those Eastern Bloc countries fall was that the criminals made all the money. It became a kleptocracy. Um, And all the stooges who were friends of Putin and all these other became billionaires in some of the world's. Most powerful industrialists, industrialists on the planet. I think we're seeing some of that in college football. In that the guys who were the biggest cheats and scumbags, they were prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that about Jimbo Fisher necessarily. I'm not saying about the coaches, but I'm talking about the support behind yeah, these programs. Yeah. Texas A&M has known to be, let's say, very aggressive. Uh, and they're recruiting benefits. That oil money, my friend. Years. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's, it's the oil money. Agriculture and mining, my friend. So that Texas A&M continues to be very aggressive should be a surprise to no one. Again, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the, the instant transition we saw when communism collapsed. And yeah. Yes, it's, it's tough to find social balance in a si- system that just became instantly capitalist. We're seeing the same with college football, and I, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody. All right, we have to get to the big board, and uh, I don't know if you want to run through a couple of quick uh, USFL picks, uh, and then yep. uh, we'll turn the cameras around on the big board for this week, which will not feature anything to do with Tim. So, uh, <laughs> so, so what do you have for us, Professor? We'll take uh, Birmingham minus six. Why? Why? Because they're playing the Michigan Panthers. Uh, there you and, go. And, uh, and what's his name? Shay. Shay Patterson sucks. Shay Patterson sucks. It's winning. <laughs> We've been winning every week with it, so we're going to keep it up. And then uh, the other game we'll be interested in is uh, New Orleans is playing Pittsburgh. New Orleans, one of the better offensive teams in the league. They had a little bit of of trouble last week. Uh, Pittsburgh is pathetic. So we'll lay over a touchdown here and go a little bit on a wire and say New Orleans minus eight. So our two picks, Birmingham minus six and New Orleans minus eight. We're chalking it up in the USFL this week.
All right, nice little chalk parlay, although you would not recommend uh, ruining your chances of winning money by uh, connecting them together so that no, uh, you I never win do. both games under any circumstances to uh, get through the week. Uh, all right, the big board uh, for this week, The Professor, ladies and gentlemen, one of the hit uh, segments on, on any uh, show, streaming I mean, I think uh, over the air or otherwise. really obvious, but all of a sudden you wanted to go with Tim Tebow. Uh, for some reason, I, I just thought you could tee up a little Tim Tebow stuff. It didn't necessarily all have I could to do tee all up five Tim with the Tebow speech, stuff, yeah. but I'm not going to because okay. once again, right. Tim no, Tebow fair. has way too much influence on in our culture already. Yes, um, I'm honestly a little shocked that Tim Tebow himself has not been nominated for the Supreme Court. I guess we'll see uh, if DeSantis ever ends up president. I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Actually, oh no, he'll be the vice president. He'll be on the team. You know that. <laughs> cash in on his name and likeness and uh, pay him handsomely for it uh, with, uh, you know, some uh, administrative job at a business in another country, like uh, much like uh, maybe Hunter Biden uh, might have benefited from uh, the uh, position. All right. Turn it around here. Uh, anyway, what do you what's have for going us? on with South Florida this week? I think we should probably have known all along who <laughs> the big board was going to be about this week. And you don't of have course, Bobby Orr in there at number three. There you of come course, on. we That's know uh, that all the Boston teams have become successful mostly because of cheating over the last 20 years or so. Yeah. Uh, but there was one Boston franchise that was always successful in the early days and sort of the foundation of why the city of Boston is a sports trash shit, trash sports city full of trash people. And that's the Boston Celtics, of course, who happen to be playing the Miami Heat. So it's time to dedicate it to the big board of the original Boston Sports Trash. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Are we ready? Yeah, yeah we're, we're ready. ready to roll. Yeah. Number five, Danny Ainge. <laughs> Never trust Mormons. <laughs> what Ainge, you... I think everybody, even the Boston fans, are 100% on Ainge. That's a good start. Why would you place faith in any man who wants to be married more than once to one to multiple women? Who the hell wants multiple wives? <laughs> why would you trust those people? If you want more than one wife, why? Because, you know, you never want to watch what you want to watch on TV. Because yeah. you always want extra errands. Who, what the hell kind of man wants it? There's, I, I don't know what the bigamy scam is. Probably some sort of tax cheat thing. But obviously, there's something wrong with these people. Yes. Never trust Mormons. Matter of fact, <laughs> you probably shouldn't trust people who won't drink caffeine to begin with. Because who doesn't like a Coke or a cup of coffee? <laughs> I mean, really. I get it when you get like 100 years old and your body can't really handle it anymore. But who, when they're like 25, is it like, you know, I might like a cup of coffee when I wake up in the morning. Sure. Mormons, totally untrustworthy people. And Danny Age. <laughs> Let's remember, as a player, he was one of the biggest scumbags in the league. Yes. Tree Rollins almost bit his finger off, and everybody was like, Tree Rollins was right to do that. <laughs> one of the greatest moments in sports history was Sedale Threat, as pictured here, just bopping Danny Age in his big, stupid nose. <laughs> and then, as if his playing career wasn't bad enough, what does he do? He goes on, becomes Boston's general manager, and cheats his way to a title there. For people who don't remember, got Kevin McHale to give him Kevin Garnett for a big pile of crap after Kevin McHale had, for five years, refused every trip. I think the Lakers offered literally the entire roster except for Kobe and Shaq and nine first-round draft picks for Kevin Garnett. And Kevin McHale was like, no, I'm holding out for the Al Jefferson poo-poo platter. 
That was the most crooked trade in the history of the NBA. Maybe one of the most crooked trades in the history of sports. Never trust Mormons. Uh, exactly. Great start, That's Professor. Number five. Great start. That's number five. <laughs> number yeah. four, directly related. Big board of Boston sports. Celtics. Celtics sports trash. Number four, fake tough guy Kevin Garnett. Oh, yeah. Fake <laughs> tough guy. What? What an MVP award you didn't deserve. Built your whole reputation on this. Oh, I'm ultra intense. I'm the ultimate competitor. And then in your glory year, when you won a title, you shouldn't have won. Shouldn't have won because of some bogus refereeing in a first round playoff series. When Zaza Pachulia called you out, you went and hid behind a referee because you were scared to death. Zaza Zaza Pachulia. (laughs) He would have run from Zaza Gabor. What are you talking about? Zach, you big, (laughs) bald-headed sissy. (laughs) Sissy. Nice. Very good, my friend. You're lucky you didn't face the heat that year because Udonis Haslam would have literally broken you and eaten you on the court. <laughs> You're running away from Zaza Pachulia. You ran away and hid for – don't give me this intensity crap. You are the fakest tough guy in the history of the league, Kevin Garnett. Pure garbage. You didn't deserve the MVP award. You, you averaged like 19 points a game and you won the MVP award. What the, what the hell was that? What a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And then you're like this dynasty. Your dynasty lasted one year. You lost the finals the next year. And you never got even close to back again. And you know what? I'm glad Dwayne Wade intentionally broke Rajon Rondo's arm and ended you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Made his way into an Adam Sandler movie, which uh, yeah. normally would be a disgrace. But uh, this one uh, received some critical acclaim for some bizarre reason. Didn't deserve it. Nah, yeah. Honestly, that movie was not good. Nah, I don't know no. why everybody loves that movie so much. Because uh, it was uh, different, uh, you For know, than the usual uh, Paulie Shore type of trash we were accustomed yeah. to. From yeah, Adam those Taylor. are funny. The Uncut Gen movie wasn't it's funny horrible. at all, no, and it good. wasn't interesting. Yeah, honestly, no. Kevin Garnett wasn't particularly good. No, in he wasn't. No, was no, like no, he was LeBron weak. was much better in that crappy Amy Schumer movie than you were in that Adam Sandler movie. And nobody Gary Stevens was like... is uh, George Wolf in uh, Seabus. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. By comparison, he was, uh, you know, uh, like Olivier. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor was better than any given Sunday, and yes, I'm pretty yes, sure he was. Lawrence Taylor was actively was smoking horrible. crack when he did that movie. <laughs> exactly. No doubt. All right, uh, that's uh, number four. Big tough guy, <laughs> Kevin Garnett. You're going to be surprised how low this one. You were probably going to figure out this one much higher, but number three on the list of Celtics, the original Boston sports trash, the entire fan base. As personified yeah, by Ben Affleck. Wow. I can't imagine what you're heading out in your uh, <laughs> Exactly. How's Affleck 3? <laughs> uh, Affleck 3? It's one of I mean, your really, uh, what, chief targets. You, you people stand up the whole game. Why the hell do you do that? Sit down, relax, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Honestly, and you're this whole fake, like, we're the Celtics, we're a dynasty, we're this. You haven't been relevant in, like, 35 years. Yeah. Not bigger. <laughs> Bigger picture Jones was their last big star. Had yeah. like one or two years again after the- Ainge pulled off that BS trade. Those are the only times in the last 35 years that basically Len Bias killed your franchise when he died. Uh, and sorry, uh, Celtics it's a bit fans. Morbid, yeah. That's just a stone cold fact. So this whole thing about how historic are yeah, you were his you know what you are? You're the Yale football of the NBA. <laughs> you had a bunch of titles that nobody alive can remember. Way back when, and you've been living off that. I mean, you're worse than the 72 Dolphins. I mean, why? Because yeah. 72 is more recent than any time 
The Celtics were bigger picture dy- dynasty. They were in the eighties. What are you talking about? Yeah, they were second place to the Lakers in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> they if won three titles. If you're though. second in the league to another franchise, you're not a dynasty. You're the dynasty's <laughs> rival. Did the Duke really throw that lobster at you? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. That was fun. When, when we were dining in Las Vegas, and you mentioned that Bill Russell was a stiff. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Defoe, because Uh-oh. number two is. No, Russell. No, Russell. The most no. overrated player in the history of Most overrated ever. Very <laughs> likely the most overrated athlete in the history of, of sports. sports. <laughs> We're going to throw out a few facts here because Boston fans love to talk about it. By the way, looking at uh, him getting ready to shoot that hook shot here, you can pretty much guarantee that's a brick because he was a totally <laughs> incompetent offensive Guaranteed player. Guarantee it's a brick. At a time where the league shooting percentage average for most of his career was somewhere around 47%, Bill Russell was a 44% shooter, despite the fact he was one of only five players in the league who was 6'8 or taller. In other words, he was playing guys notably shorter than him every night, only got the ball in optimum situations, and still shot 44% for his career. Wilt, one year, just for the record, averaged 36 points a game while shooting 68% of the yep. field from the yep. field. The fact that Wilt versus Bill Russell is even a debate is the biggest joke in the history of sports. Everybody's like, oh, Russell, winner guy. Yeah, because he played with seven Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah. Russell was about yeah. defense and rebounding. Bill Russell, very impressive rebounder, averaged 25 points a rebound, uh, 25.6 rebounds a game for his career. Yeah. Wilt averaged 22. Yeah. Russell. He had no help. Average 18.6 points per game as a career high. Average in the mid-15s for his career. Wilt averaged 34. He Wilt was not a great offensive player. Was a 54.4%. And what you're thinking is, well, that's because Wilt was a black hole. He never shared the ball. Wilt had a higher career assist, assist rate yep. than Bill Russell did. Yeah. yeah. Hey, no, he, he, uh, and the thing you know, that everybody he, gives. He did certain things that were revolutionary, though. So, you know, you have to give him credit for that. The rebounding and the outlet pass. Still a stroke. Yeah, because nobody had ever thrown an outlet pass. <laughs> not like he did, though. I mean, uh, I guess you had uh, what? Not like he did what with his? What did he bounce the ball off his forehead? Hey, he picked it up like it was not a like softball and fired it down the court I there to Hondo, a streaking Hondo Hamilton or Sam <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nobody ever threw an outlet pass before Bill Russell. He admitted. What's Unsold? It's a joke. The fact that people game. consider him one of the greatest. He would. The, the fact that people put him in Wilt's league is a complete travesty. I've said it before. I will say it again. He would not, given the development of the NBA in 2022, he would not be a starting player in the current NBA. <laughs> wow. He was player. that Hold incompetent on. offensively. <laughs> yeah, right. for Russell's classic. That's number two. That's I mean, two. Uh, What's like... one? <laughs> Right, yeah. and we thought you're gonna run Hondo uh, off the board here at number one. Hondo, this is bird. really specific because honestly, Affleck three, Bill Russell two. What could possibly yeah. be number one? It's a very specific thing, combination of events that had to happen, and it did. Yeah, because number one, the worst possible combination <laughs> of a human Tatum being Duke ever Duke is Jason Tatum, a rat-faced Duke star. <laughs> Who becomes a Boston Celtics <laughs> star? Who the media constantly overrates and can't get off his Johnson, and because of that, won't investigate what I think is something that really needs to be looked into, and that is, did he shave points in ex- exhibition games against Australia and Ghana when he was a member of Team USA last summer? We have <laughs> never points. lost to those schools, to those teams, in the history 
of Olympic basketball until Jason Tatum was on the team. And I think <laughs> that needs to be looked at closely. What happened with the Point gambling shaving. lines in those games? <laughs> Point because I was thinking about that stupid intro you love to play. The yeah. one thing that might be 100 to 1 on the money line was Namibia beating you at Team USA <laughs> in basketball. <laughs> Whatever stupid yeah. ass country it was. They lost to Nigeria. They lost to Nigeria. Vincent and Atua. Again, just said, obviously, this is a person of low moral fiber having gone to Duke and playing for Boston needs to be talked about needs to be looked at point shaving because there's some point shaving involved in Olympic prelims we never lost to them before Jason Tatum shows up all of a sudden we can't beat the Central African All Stars. <laughs> Mormons to point shaving. We, we lost a team from a country that doesn't have an indoor basketball court. <laughs> God. Uh, professor, on fire. The big board of uh, the original Boston sports trash. trash. Sports, sports trash. Yeah, sports, sports trash. trash. Sports trash. Yes. Sports trash. Uh, brilliant as always. I mean, uh, you know, even though we have to issue uh, numerous disclaimers here, especially <laughs> in the direction of one. Lovely and talented Leslie Fisher <laughs> on that Russell thing. She must I mean, not that, be that, real, hey, look, that almost triggered a food fight. <laughs> yes, it did. It was the best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the heater played the Celtics. It was going to get ugly. It, just, it was inevitable. Unbelievable. Particularly after last night. Uh, yeah, well, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, there are some things I can live with. Marcus Smart randomly dropping 27 points. What do you mean? I almost had a triple-double. <laughs> Marcus Smart. <laughs> all right. Well, all the best uh, to you, Professor. Uh, good luck on your uh, plays yeah, uh, in the USFL. And, and, of course, uh, another brilliant performance here on the show. Oh, and uh, ha- have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Yeah, you have a good one, Dave. Thanks, Kimmy. Very good. Professor. That was great. He had me at Danny Ainge. That uh, was you great. Know, that Mormons can't be trusted. I mean, and that's a... That's a sports concept that you won't necessarily uh, find anywhere else. <laughs> I, I, I can 100% think you will find you that nowhere else. You think as they go down the log of things they want to discuss, they go, you know what? Mormons can't be trusted. <laughs> it is true. Like, who, Let's go do a show, a nice three-man show. Yeah. Philandering mistress is one thing, but multiple wives. Like, I never got Who that. would want multiple wives? People That's are usually exactly stressed out by one wife. Like, who yeah. wants more than one wife? Like, I don't. Uh, especially at the same time. I mean, it's yeah, one like, have multiple wives like I have had. Uh, you know, at different times, at least. They're still wise. Although the pattern is similar, Luby. From what I've heard, yes. From what I've heard, yes. Yeah. Uh, the word uh, mishugana must apply to anybody that wants to <laughs> subject you. themselves to uh, multiple wives at the same time. I don't, As if yeah. this was a good thing. Yeah, he's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, that's you, especially, Mr. Svengali. I mean, uh, you would never enough. get to see a sporting event. You would have no idea what you were talking about on a show, which people suspect anyway. But, uh, Thank you. You know, you were a little resigned yesterday, Luby. Resigned to the. Yeah, I told you, uh, I had no idea. I, well, I didn't. I never thought that, but I, I the Celtics were going to win that game. Like, and by I didn't want to pick them, but I said that's why I wasn't going to make a pick. They they can't get down 0-2. Fine, so they were going to win. The fact that Smart had almost a triple double, Grant Williams had almost twenty points, Brown and Tatum did their thing, and outside of Butler, no one did anything for the Heat. That I would never have predicted. Like the I'm, complete reversal of form, uh, kind of yeah, interesting for the Miami weird. Heat so far in the playoffs. I weird. mean, they win those first two against Philadelphia, yep. albeit without Embiid in there. But uh, even with Embiid in there, you figure, well, this is a trend that's more likely to continue than to completely reverse. And uh, then uh, in the last couple of games, uh, you know, very dominant. Back up again, yep. Picked that same pace up again in game one against the Celtics yep. in the third quarter. But if you looked at that game, 
I, I don't know. It's kind of a, a meaningless thing because uh, they lost the game, you know, by a significant margin. Yeah. But uh, if you took out that third quarter, you know, it's uh, like uh, Dave wants that explanation. No, who used to do that? Tom Olivadotti. Oh, yeah, yeah. you take out that three runs. <laughs> yeah, and he would come out and say, you know what? Uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, if that guy didn't run for 86 yards uh, two different times in the ballgame, uh, statistically, we held them to an average of 3.3, <laughs> which is below the league average. So, yeah, but that balloons up exponentially because of the fact that you allowed 160 <laughs> yards on two runs. Nice guy, Tom Olivadotti. I had great oh, respect so for him. Bad. He was a good-looking cat, too, man. Always very gracious. He's a horrible defensive coordinator <laughs> yeah i mean you know if you took away the 200 i lost on the third race uh, exactly. you know what? I, I, I didn't have a bad day at the track right even though uh, you know the rest of uh, the races only amounted to uh, maybe 60 dollars in cash tickets you're still a loser and yes. uh, you know that that's the thing uh, but uh, analysts were, were looking at this third quarter uh, which was uh, started with a 22 to 2 run by uh, the Miami Heat and just an awful collapse by the Celtics, who, yeah. who then sort of gathered themselves a little bit. Yeah, at, at least, least they did something in the fourth. Yeah, and, and and the totals of the other three quarters were you know very much in favor. Uh, you know they, they clearly won like the rest of the game. Yeah, except for that, except for that third quarter, which was enough to throw them uh, into a big uh, you know sea of red ink when it came to the scoreboard. Anyway, uh, it was uh, it was good stuff, uh, you know, for uh, the professor coming up at that Mormon angle, I, I think was. He's right. He could have flip-flopped uh, any of those, right? I, I was worried that the Bill Russell thing would, would, would probably take like an hour to get all the venom out he has about Russell. <laughs> he hates Russell. <laughs> okay, he's not, hates Russell. It, the comparison of Russell to Wilt is weirdly skewed because they don't take into account that Wilt had no Hall of Famers most of his career, and Russell had five. Like, that is a little weird, and the fact that they make it this equal thing, which it wasn't. The thing, the thing about Russell, though, that was unique uh, in, a, in a way was that, and, and this was true of, like, uh, Walt Bellamy, but uh, he played Wilt very tough. Yeah, he did, and that was yeah. why they did that comparison, because and, together, yeah. Russell played him well. But he had a lot of help, so it was easy. He didn't have to worry about covering it. Wilt had to cover everyone. Wilt had no yeah. one on his team when he was with the no, Will Philadelphia. Was, uh, uh, you know, just an, an unbelievable offensive force, uh, probably the best in basketball history, because uh, he, he virtually was unstoppable. And it wasn't just uh, everything he did under the basket, because uh, he had that little fadeaway bank shot that he would hit from about uh, 12 to 15 feet out, and he was very efficient at hitting that, as uh, suggested by the professor with the, uh, you know, really high shooting percentage. A lot of that was, uh, you know, dunking under yeah. the basket, but he was a big dipper. I grew up, uh, you know, first following basketball in that era. So I saw a lot of uh, Russell Wilt, uh, Walt Bells Bellamy, uh, and, and they were the big three centers around at the time. Bellamy uh, wasn't very good against anybody but Wilt and Russell. Uh, strange, strange, I mean, uh, yeah, Wilt and Russell, strangely enough. That's funny. And, uh, you know, the one guy that always, uh, you know, was kind of like Rodman on Zoe, right? Where uh, Bill Russell, for some reason... But was able to be a force against Wilt Chamberlain, even though Wilt had, what, about four or five inches in size on him. So, uh, but no, I'm an admirer of what Russell did. He was with a great team also. I don't think anybody could overlook that. 
And um, I don't know that I would contend necessarily that he, he, he couldn't have started a single NBA game. I think Russell's better than Ken gives him credit. I think the times have changed. Russell would have changed, too. We don't know what he would have done offensively. He didn't have to. Again, he had four All-Stars around him, so he didn't need to score. But but I, I felt this as a kid because, you know me, my shooting percentage thing, I like to see a guy yeah, around big. 50%, yep. even yep, if he's yep. an outside chucker. Yep. I, I think if you're going to hoist him, believe that they're going to go in. And, yes. you know, if you can't shoot any better than, uh, you know, 38% like my man Butch Comives said, then uh, don't keep chucking. But uh, Russell was, was uh, not efficient at all. Uh, you know, he, he had a little short uh, face-to-basket jumper, and he had the hook shot from either side. And Yeah, but he was not, you know, a tremendous offensive uh, player. I, I didn't think so as a kid yeah, growing up. average at best. Yeah. I mean, great, great at triggering that fast break, though, which was really the uh, signature uh, of uh, what those uh, Celtic teams were all about. And I was a big Hondo Havlicek fan, uh, so... Uh, it's hard to uh, listen to the uh, complete trashing of Bill Russell by, <laughs> by the professor. Plus, I don't know if uh, Leslie Visser will ever speak to us nah, again for allowing not. that segment on the air. Probably. All right, uh, Mike Mayo, the gambling gourmet coming up. He, he whiffed. He did. A strike we, we right on the corner there, man. He'd be sitting there in Hedge City. You know he likes to hedge off. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I wouldn't. It would be a smart hedge. Like he'd, he'd right? be in you a strong 2-0, you get the two road victories that you need, and you're now in a position to see your Tampa Bay Lightning sweep the series, probably at, a, I would think, a fairly significant odds uh, against that taking place. I, I don't know what they were. I, I didn't get a chance to really see that. But uh, I mean, when was the last yeah. time a team won in less than five? You, it's not like a basketball where three seconds is forever, and you can make a pass and a dunk and a dipsy do. In hockey, under a minute is like, eh. Under five seconds. Yeah, you can't allow that guy to When the other team had possession, there was three Panthers around the puck. Three Panthers around the puck. And Bobrovsky actually played well for once. Yeah. And they're going to, like, that doesn't happen. Like, to me, if I had that bet, I'd be doing a jig right now. If they score with under four seconds, are you kidding me? You want to talk about signs of God's gambling? That's like the biggest sign ever. My friend. Keep these in mind. Barry Trotz. I, I told you <laughs> three days ago. <laughs> All right, we'll see if Mayo's suicidal about whipping on his bet here. Because, uh, you know, as soon as he suggested it, he backed off. And I'm thinking, uh, you know what? Mike, you should have done it, man. Yeah. Just take a shot, right? Looking Maybe you're right. right Thinking was only slightly flawed, but sometimes you have to regroup in degeneracy. Yep. You really yep. do. And, and say, okay. I was dead wrong about that horse this time, but next time, it's going to be a winner. Exactly. And, and Grant Long, by the way, we should tip our hat to uh, Grant it. Long. Uh, give him a salute because uh, absolutely hit it on the head. Nailed it. Holy Hubie Brown. Speaking of Hubie Brown, I mean, uh, he said Heat will win game one, but definitely the Celtics will win game two. And you told us that on our podcast on yep. the uh, Believe Network. And uh, many people felt that way, although the Heat were favored by slightly more points in, in that game. Game two, even with the possibility that you would have smart. I, Horford came out of nowhere, didn't he? Yes. In this game? Yes. I mean, I don't know if he was overwhelmingly significant. I seem to anything. recall him sinking a couple of threes, but. Uh, he didn't do much. When, when we saw him warming up, uh, my son and I are sitting uh, at a bar after the tennis uh, match last night, and uh, which was hardly a match, because even inspired by the Tim Tebow speech, I still managed to get bludgeoned. Unbelievable. Although very competitively bludgeoned. How about that, Luby? Can I put it that way? Take some satisfaction out of it? Actually, it's all about the camaraderie and the drinking at the end. There you go. And, and a hell of a schwitz. But we're watching and we're saying, wait a minute, what? Horford, he was uh, on every list, uh, you know, with an X through him, wasn't he, for uh, this game? So, um, yep. you know, that 
that made a big difference also. All right, Gambling Gourmet, Mike Mayo coming up, and uh, we'll see if he's uh, a little bit verklempt about the fact that he didn't make the uh, bet on the Lightning to sweep the Panthers, which now looks like a, a realistic possibility. Back with Mike Mayo in a moment here on the Defoe Show, Degenerate Friday edition. Now that. Time. 8.34. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Catholic Health Services is committed to care that changes as your needs do. Our full continuum of services is designed to be there throughout your care journey. If you need assistance with daily living, post-acute care following a serious health event, or additional medical care at home, we also offer skilled nursing and palliative and hospice care. Your care needs may change, but our commitment never does. Catholic Health Services, South Florida's number one choice for post-acute and end-of-life care. Visit CatholicHealthServices.org. All right, so you have the poem. poem. Let's do it. Roses are red, violets are blue. I got DQ'd from the late double. Sorry, no champagne or caviar for you. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Mayo, the Gambling Gourmet, ladies and gentlemen. The only way to get your morning started is with Defoe, joined by Luby, right here on The Defoe Show. All right. Uh, I don't know if he's going to pull one out of a box or something, uh, a giant crow. <laughs> Are you really, you know, if you were going to eat something on the air, Mike Mayo, we welcome uh, the Gambling Gourmet, Mike Mayo, to our Degenerate Friday edition of the program here on Ion Channel, Jeff DeForest and uh, Mike Luby Lubitz. Uh, Michael, how are you, my friend? I mean, uh, since last Friday, the last time you were on a show, uh, obviously, uh, you know, certain circumstances uh, went in our favor. Right now. And then uh, you, in just an utter fit of bitterness, sent me a text that said the lightning will now sweep the Panthers. And I thought, you know what? You might be onto something. Maybe maybe your Fakakta thinking about the first round wasn't so far off base. Uh, nope. So uh, I guess you didn't pull the trigger on that. And uh, then you immediately started waffling. Oh, oh no, I didn't mean that. Uh, I but, walked um, it 10 to 1, all right? Because I thought it was I wasn't a little giving bit you outlandish. it. No, but, I mean, what do you think the actual odds on, on that were? They had. To I don't know. I, I was trying to research it. I couldn't find it. I would imagine you would think after those first-round series that the prospects of the Panthers getting swept would have to be at least 15, 20 to 1 on, on some of the bookmates. Yeah. I have no Close idea. to zero, yeah. But uh, here we are. And so you'll notice I'm wearing my uh, – it's my version of a dunce cap. Uh, because it's oh, a yeah, backwards, backwards baseball yes. cap. I don't know if you saw on the Let's I did see that post. Uh, I saw yeah, that. Like, what was I, that I about? Though, but what if that was a guy like uh, an Uber Eats no, guy? No, just, just I don't, he up. wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> okay. called he was just a jerk back. off is what he you're wasn't. saying. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not making judgments. It was just okay. that it was a topic that st- caused a lot of controversy a few weeks ago on the Let's Eat South Florida Facebook group that I helped run almost 80,000 strong. Thanks nice. for the plug. But And I was at out with Dick Steen up in Delray Beach at this new hot, trendy restaurant called. Oh, you Akira. took the picture. I took the picture. Okay. 
it happened in front of my face. And after the the group went in a tizzy a few weeks ago about somebody complaining about it at Houston's where they supposedly this is have a guy a coming into a restaurant with a baseball cap a on period, and then a, backwards like he was Ken Griffey Jr. A, a backwards baseball cap, a bro, what some people would label a douchebag bro, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't necessarily bother me. And I wasn't being judgmental. I just saw it in front of my face. I thought it was amusing. The guy's face wasn't there. You couldn't ID him. So I snapped the quick picture. Yeah. And and I posted it on the group yesterday, and people went into a tizzy. There's 33,000 views. There's 500 comments. Really? People are bash- they're bashing me for violating the guy's privacy. Oh, really? And why are, you, <laughs> why are you judging him? What does it matter to you? I was like, I didn't judge anything. I had a great yeah, meal. It didn't bother me. Yeah. I just snapped the picture and said, hey, here, here it is, guys. You guys were talking about this uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, here's here's some more chum. I just threw some chum in the waters, like in Sharknado or whatever it was. Yeah. And next thing you know, that people are just like diving in. They want to anyway. kill the messenger. That, that's, yeah, that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's okay. I, that's I, I was just there to instigate, to be an agent provocateur. Two minutes and, for instigating. Yes, and the same thing with this whole. These bets, look, congratulations, guys. I owe you a dinner. We'll do it sometime. It's okay. It, it and, just, and, we couldn't have st- – this was one we couldn't stand losing. That, that was I wasn't problem. doing that again. Because, I didn't trust Because him. of what was involved here wow, and the, it's uh, two months it's... of trash talking back and forth. <laughs> and, you know, my, my original inclination after seeing Vessel. I'm not even hungry after, after that. I, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but after seeing everything that unfolded, like Tampa is obviously, you know, they're going for a 3 They're excellent. Yeah. They've got championship experience. They're veteran savvy. They knew how to reserve something in the tank and reserve some goals and uh and i you know i said in the heat of the moment i said oh they're gonna get swept you know the panthers are gonna get swept wow. by this team and i didn't really think it was possible and then for a moment i bought the false false hope i wanted to be a good civic cheerleader i wanted to say you know what Stupid yay they change. finally they, yeah. they finally broke they broke through they they snapped the 26 year drought they won a playoff series now they're gonna go all the way they're gonna they look like they had their confidence back and and this is what we've got. And like you said, I'm wearing this is the dunce cap because I'm a fucking schmuck. Like you said, Defoe, it's the bets that you don't make don't yep, that yep, yep, you yep. haunt you. Because like you said, if I bet, let's say if I could have shopped around and got the 10 to 1, 20 to 1 on the sweep, and then I had you off and bet on a Panthers win the next couple of games. You know, that's you were you had it in the bag. I yeah. had it in the bag, and um, all you had to do was get uh, what the result that you got, which was, and, and you would have been leaping like like Tom Cruise on the couch on the Oprah show when he was saying that he was in love with Katie Holmes. You would have been leaping off the couch there, and uh, you know, screaming, "Yeah!" I mean, because three you would have put yourself in a semi-line right. position. And you see what happens when you go against type. I mean, I've made my brand on being the cynical, you know, yes. just. You went against yourself. And then all of a sudden, I turn into, like, the cheerleader optimist. Yay, Panthers, we're going to go all the way. And look what I get. I get bitten in the ass. You should eat a rat on the show. Just eat a rat right here. (laughs) And and can I just go off? Can I go off for a second? Yeah, I will. I'll eat rat. I'll eat crow, whatever you want. um, (laughs) What you're eating is funds because you would have been in such a nice position. And and how people three have been. Because that that's now that becomes the one that obviously at home, the lightning in front of their home crowd, oh, yeah. what, are they going to lay an egg out there? I don't no, think so. I think so, they're going to come in, jazzed up, and just chew them up for Instead, you may as well be there. hit by a bolt of lightning but here and, uh, you know, take the after effects because you got burned by your own thinking. 
the Panthers played this pretty much really good game last yeah. night, and Bobrovsky finally comes through and makes some big stops. And then three point eight seconds, yeah. and the guy's going that back. He's going to check the guy into the boards behind the net instead yeah. of taking clean I mean, the puck. That was an abomination. I mean, three point eight seconds, and then let's not lose sight of the fact that the Panthers' power play is like over for twenty two thousand and twenty two over twenty five. Over twenty five. I mean, what kind of odds could have you gotten on that? In going into the playoffs, that the Panthers, like who scored the most play, uh, power play goals or fifth best power play? Oh, uh, they were league. third in power play goals, sixty-five. Okay. Third, okay. And that, fifth that they would go like for their first twenty-five. Impossible, that, oh, impossible. No, no, that's not even. That's a, do you realize that the Panthers could have assembled a power play line right now of Mike Bossy, Guy Lafleur, and Gordy Howe in their current <laughs> conditions? Go a little Bobby Hull or something. Point, yeah. Yeah. Bobby Hull is still alive. These other three guys are dead. Oh, dead. Okay. The and dead guys. Still scoring. Bossy in there because he just checked out. I mean, that's yes, too recent. Yes, the body's yes, not yes. even called yet. I'm, they would have gotten a goal. Reality. Bossy, LaFleur, <laughs> and Gordy Howe in their current states. Is Ivan Cornway alive? Scored as many goals as the Panther power play has this playoffs. That's that's mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just. No, that is unbelievable. That's oh, a joke. It's like missing, uh, you know, I mean, not quite the same as uh, be the equivalent of missing like 100 straight free throws or something. That's insane. Uh, a basketball team. Uh, they deserve unreal. to get bounced out of play. I mean, get get rid of this team. Get just, I don't know where they can move to. Um, <laughs> get them out of the town. Lose, lose them out of town. town. There's a reason why Doug Sifu's name ends with Well, F-U. if you stretch out, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I thought you were going to say uh, sort of stretches out to fool. No, no, okay. he, he's no fool when it comes to uh, making money and hanging out with the right guy. But uh, the fact Sifu. that he attacked you, you should have unloaded Mike Mayo. I, yeah. I thought. I thought, Sweet. you know, I thought about it myself. And I, so I'm also in the same category because I said, but it didn't hit me until, uh, you know, after game one that Mayo was on to this thing the whole time, the whole time. He, he just uh, slightly flawed thinking, but one as a gambler, you, you have to kind of like, like they always ask coaches to do at halftime. You have to make adjustments. Yep. Yep. Blew it. And the adjustment was that they were going to really embarrass themselves in this series. Yes. Meanwhile, aren't you so happy that you did not get offered Brett Tesler's tickets uh, that that, that you didn't have to pay uh, face value to go to that first game? Because you would have been pretty ticked off to have to pay to sit through uh, uh, that. uh, What was it? 4-1 was the final. Uh, It was a very tight game until uh, the the third third. period when uh, the – Panthers, unfortunately, were just flat as a Parisian one-way model and uh, couldn't do anything. And and the Lightning kind of turned it on. Uh, Tesler did suggest, though, during that conversation we had about his tickets and whether or not he was going to make them available to us uh, at no charge. Uh, oh, okay. He did say, and, and, and this could be true, I, I don't usually buy this argument, Mike. Uh, you were writing sports for many, many years, and uh, you'd hear this as a common theme. Well, you know, and especially in basketball, hockey, where everybody makes the postseason, they didn't care about the regular season so much. They knew they were going to be okay. And maybe that was somewhat true of the Lightning, where, you know, they, they have flipped a switch. Toronto was no easy out. It took them seven games to get out of that one. And these games have been, you know, contentious. But nonetheless, they always seem to come through with the experience. And, and yeah, I mean, the the, number. this Lightning team is, even though it has, doesn't have like a superstar of a LeBron James statue, but it's like the LeBron teams of the early very 2000s good. No, of the Heat, where they just coasted in the regular season. They took stretches off. And, uh, and and then, you know, when it comes playoff time, that's the reality. The Panthers, on the other hand, and I was absolutely dead right about this, and you guys were. That's why less. we but, knew but you were you're onto something. Last right. month when I'm saying, oh, they're winning 
winning too many games or scoring too many goals. You got to save something <laughs> for when it counts. You're like, oh, you're just like, uh, yeah. like no, no. no we, they we they really did expend a lot of energy and got this false sense of, of confidence and security because they just steamrolled over everybody in April uh, when it didn't count. And uh, again, they were scoring so many goals and, and, you know, seven goals, eight goals, making five goal comebacks, all this. Sh- and now it's meaningless. It's just, yeah. it's just meaningless. And they can't get out of their own way. It's pretty amazing. All right. It was black Thursday around yeah, South Florida. Yeah, and, 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 so, and the other thing is to get into the heat, it was just yeah. a ridiculous game. And, you know, I thought Spolster's, you know, philosophy is never let the other guy's best uh, player beat you. Yeah. But now I think we should add a, another truism to sport is never let the guy with green hair beat you. <laughs> Like, how embarrassing is that? Rodman, how you know, does he not play game qualified? one? Yeah. And then has a triple. So it was just a dud of a game, and it was it was baffling. And I don't know, Deef, I, I texted this to guys last night. Like this was the worst night in South Florida sports since when? What? Like, can anybody think of like where you have the Panthers who are almost in a must-win pivotal game in order to make a series of this? Uh, since and, we drafted Justice Winslow <laughs> over Devin Booker. No, I, I don't oh know. My I mean, God. It was a disaster. It was Come pathetic. On. I mean, such great expectations. I, I was thinking, uh, you know, what what were the odds that uh, both teams would lose? And, uh, you know, I had a hunch that the Panthers were going down uh, in this game last night. I was kind of happy when, when, you know, they, they uh, looked like they were in a pretty good position to, to win the game. And then that atrocity occurs with four seconds to go. Uh, and, and when I was watching the early portion of the Heat game, they looked great. They were yep. up like 10 points in the first few minutes. Right? Yep. And, and then, you thought, okay, game on, dude. I mean, uh, in honor of the racehorse by the same name. And, you know, they'll probably uh, be up 2-0, and they'll be all on Boston to try and defend their home court. And I was all prepared today to rag on you. Like, how could you go to Italy next week when we're going to have two teams going deep in the oh, playoffs no, and you're going to miss all these games? And I, you know I look what? on the scores on my cell phone. And, and, and now you you're going to be on the plane. I bet the Panthers are already going to be gone yeah. and the Heat might be on their way like the next day after you get on the plane when you uh, arrive in Venice. Uh, they're going to be sick. They're going to be sinking quicker than Venice if they don't turn things around. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, we've seen uh, a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde out of a lot of teams in the postseason. Uh, you know, we, we saw uh, Boston lose a hideous game five to the Milwaukee Bucks on their home court and then come back and steamroll the, the Bucks the next couple of games. Uh, hey. We saw the Heat lose in hideous fashion to the Sixers. Uh, I, I know. It's two only, games on their own. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a long series, but. You thought the prospect of like losing, you know, that for bet to me and getting ragged on for a year is bad. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be every time we go to even keel if the Celtics win? Oh, God. Hearing Deborah, Deborah, oh, wow. rag yeah. on us. I told you, I told you the Celtics were going to pull it out because she was saying the other night, yeah. even if they, uh, I mean, the other day when we came After. in there on Wednesday for the lunch, she was spot, very so confident. Very even very though confident. the Celtics were down 0 1, she goes, the Celtics are coming back. They're going to win it all, hon. I'm telling you. And yeah. she might be right. So. I think she had Mickey Ward in that first uh, Gotti fight also. Uh, she, she was all over that. Uh, with oh, the and Boston speaking Angle. of Boston, yes. and, and, and I got to take issue with the professor. I love him, love the big board, blah, blah, blah. But he's absolutely dead wrong. I mean, I know you don't like the movie either. I thought Uncut Gems was good. I thought Kevin Garnett's teeth were outstanding. In that no, movie. the teeth were great. <laughs> His teeth um, were great. Uh, even my dentist, uh, Dr. Michael Nudelberg, said, uh, I mean, uh, I, I can give you two sets of teeth. You can either have grills, Garnett from that movie or Secretariat. Which one? Those, those grills look like the same. Uh, they matched Oscar. I thought yeah. he was going to get an Oscar for that. And number three, the ending was hilarious, Defo. That was a funny, funny ending. It was great. I love that. <laughs> it was, it was a joke. Funny. What it was are you talking about? Uh, it was sad. horrible. 
You just don't get dark I, I humor. Mean, do I, you? Look, I, I, I could dark be, uh, you know, any more of a degenerate, uh, and I, I love any uh, attempt at a gambling movie. But uh, you know, for all of the acclaim that I it received, uh, you know, from people like you that are in the uh, criticizing business, I mean, uh, I like, it. And, and you know, all of the movie critics. I mean, Holy Street, everybody seems to love this thing. Um, I, I thought it was just an upgrade, possibly in terms of an attempt on Adam Sandler's part. To, to make a movie that didn't make him look like Paulie Shore. I, I really believe that. <laughs> That's it. But I just thought it, it was a lesson to all gamblers. Even when you think you're riding the biggest. Oh, pie, for sure. All just come crashing. Oh, of course. Yeah, but every gambler that. knows that. That's what it was. It was. a. That's a message. That's it, like the Tebow speech there. It's as shallow as that. So. That's oh, why. Speaking of Tebow and college football, what do you think this whole Saban and I Jim Fisher thing? So Isn't this stupid. great? I love, I love it. it. Yeah. I actually was reading, and uh, the other day I was reading uh, the uh, Brent Musburger Barry America campaign uh, <laughs> stuff that was in the New York Post, and uh, I, I didn't realize this. I, I guess now in back-to-back weeks, is that possible? Let's Texas A and M faces bankrupt again. <laughs> yeah, the University of Miami, which uh, this guy was making a case that Miami will win that game, and, and then do they go right again the next week against Alabama? Is that possible Probably. after their two cupcakes, Texas A and M? Because I, I think. October 8th, what was the date I saw? I was right in That's that area. That's when and A&M play. That uh, Texas A&M and Alabama meet. And yes. that ought to be fun because Jimbo, he doesn't like to be insulted by uh, St. Nick. And I would imagine most people think that Nick Saban is a complete prick and asshole. But, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he, he is uh, just deified by the media. And uh, the professor, far be it from the professor to defend Nick Saban. But he actually said, you know what? What is he saying that isn't true? Well, that's true. But you know what? I don't even pay attention to the college football schedule or anything of that nonsense because we're in May, Defoe, and you know what May means? PGA Championship. Oh, you're Who on the hell that? put the PGA Championship in May? I know they've done it for a few years, and then with COVID, every all the schedules got jumbled, so I didn't know what's what. But apparently, I didn't realize this was a permanent thing. And, you know, I used to cover golf for a long yeah. time back when I was a sports writer, and I just think it's stupid and wrong. You don't plop the PGA in the middle. You don't need a major – every month this time of year. And I always liked when the PGA was the last major of the year, and that would be the chance to have a grand slam if anybody had ever won three in a row, whatever. But I liked it in the middle of August because it meant like once this week is over, then we're back into football season on college and pros. Now in the middle of May, I, 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 it came on yesterday. I didn't even realize they were playing a major and it shocked me. And then I guess this year's it, it's at what Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Is that right? Yes, it's Schwitz City there. So, do you realize? Um, I actually, I think there was a past PGA Championship, or maybe it was a U.S. Open. At they, they have Hills. held the most. Uh, I, I believe they've either held the PGA tournament the most times, or uh, yeah, I, I, that would be it. That course has had hosted the most PGA tournaments of any course. Okay, so let me tell you something about Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You I went there. Oh, yeah? no, I, I went there once to cover, I think it was a PGA championship. I don't remember the year. I don't remember who won. I don't remember any single thing about that course. And most shockingly, I don't remember any single meal I ate that week. It's Get out it, of here. That is how nondescript and uh, just bland Midwestern boring Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma is. It looked pretty weird. Um, I don't even know if my guys all played yesterday uh, that I have in the golf pool. Is Justin Rose, did he withdraw from this tournament? I, I couldn't find him anywhere with a search warrant. Uh, I made a few mistakes. You know, obviously, you know, you're, you're going to have a couple of uh, guys that, that maybe uh, spit the bit a little bit in the first round. You hope they recover today. But uh, 
is Justin Rose in the tournament? I, I picked him as one of my guys in the seven-man pool that, that I have for cumulative score. To, Can you pick a guy you know, that's not uh, playing? Win a pretty substantial you, chunk of cash. I, I couldn't find his score anywhere. There was I nowhere. think the last time I saw Justin Rose, he was playing on the, the Panthers' power play. <laughs> it, it been, yeah, it would have been easy to find Joe Rose uh, you know, with a golf club in with his hand. With Guy LaFleur and Mike Fossey, rest in peace. <laughs> Gypsy Rose Lee, I mean, uh, probably shot a lower round than uh, he must be. He's he at 38. He's plus one. I see him right here. Justin Rose is 13. Oh, okay. That's not bad then. Plus one. Wow. He's actually only five shots back. Tiger's at 99. Can you tell me, uh, Luby? I guess I could Google it myself, but like, it was there a, a major championship at Southern Hills like in 1994 or 96? And was it Nick Price that won? Because that might have been the year I was there. But again, I I have no specific record. No food scene in Tulsa, though. I mean, uh, uh, no, no. Uh, what what would it be? Uh, eating buffalo? It was steak. Or what you... it was, no, it's just yeah. you know, it's like you just have meat. You know, just steak and potatoes. <laughs> chunk of meat. <laughs> steak just, and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the Preakness. So we have to get to this, uh, Mike. Okay, yeah. what, what, what is your thinking on the Preakness stakes? Uh, well, and what, then uh, do, I, do I bet radio days? Because our radio days were eventually numbered, as, as uh, yeah. is true. Oh, no, but we're back on the radio, though, with the lunchbox every day. So yes, you are. does that count as an extension of my radio career? Or is sure. that just a whole step? <laughs> it counts towards the extension of the decline of your radio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah I guess. I, I don't know. You know no, we love the lunchbox. Yeah, we, love we love WWNN. Yeah. It's we, um, great. Uh, no, if we, can, if we can convince these Let's Eat South Florida people to start listening to the show i, I would plug the show sponsor. every day on that now you know yeah i i would have them uh, that should be part of your new deal there or whatever that is that you're going to work out yeah. in these negotiations uh, all right so radio anyway. days in the black eyed susan like 12 to 1 morning line i have to bet that and then i have to bet skippy, skippy long stocking even though he has no shot yeah, you go, why not, why <laughs> not go for no hunches that's go my for... double my uh black eyed susan uh preakness double Go for the hunches um, because we saw the first uh, leg of the crown. Anything is possible. 80 to 1 is possible. So why not 12 to 1? No, actually, in the Black Eyed Susan today, I do just from names and hunch plays. I do also like radio days because my mom. You do? Okay. My mom was is a big Woody Allen fan and she loved the movie Radio Days. And she, you know, just also that was her background and upbringing in Brooklyn and listening to all those radio shows and the music and the soundtrack. So I was going to plunge on Radio Days today and I heard Caton. Now, I've been wrong about every single thing I've said this week, so I don't think you should anybody like should follow As me. As per usual, yes. But... Um, <laughs> You do a good job on the food, though. Great no, with food. Yeah, that's the only thing I have any confidence. You a home run there every time. I am just shot with all of these picks. I'm just, and like you said, I'm all over the place. I'm hedging. I you could work, work for Musburger. You actually work for Musburger. We're on the good writer. Let's make America bankrupt again. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's Bury America. But, uh, look, and and I'm wrong about everything. And I hear you know, Caton makes perfect sense. Epicenter is obviously. Really done very little wrong this year. Looks like the best three-year-old consistent should run away from this field. We'll also be about four to five. And who wants to be a chalk-eating pig? Not yeah. me. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to fire on early voting because Chad Brown, he knows a thing or two about how to keep, you know, bring a horse, a fresh shooter into a triple crown race and win. And um, I like early voting. I said he was early on in this season. He was my horse. Now, I know Caton was saying that the horses that he ran against in the Wood Memorial and he finished second in that race Stiffs. haven't come back and run particularly well. But I don't think early voting are those other his those other horses. He's a different animal. I think he's going to run decent fresh. The only question is, is Fenwick, that cheap pig that uh, uh, her husband's uh, jockey is on, is going to run early voting into the ground? Or does early voting have enough tactical speed to lay off the Fenwick 
wants to be a crazy speedball. And then uh, I think he's classy enough to do it. And if I get seven to two or more on early voting, I'm plunging with both fists uh, and feet and everything. And that'll get me out from the bet I didn't make on the Panthers. All right. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, shy away from uh, putting you know, at least five bucks on the parlay radio days to Skippy Longstocking. Go for it. Uh, you know, there, there might be a certain serendipity associated with this, although traditionally I, I don't know that I've fared well in the Preakness. I have a lifetime winning record in the Derby because of certain bomberoos that came in, including Country House a few years ago. I don't think I, I could lose that much money back on the Derby if I bet derbies to my grave, which, uh, you know, a lot of people are speculating. <laughs> that might be a very short number <laughs> that no, I'm you're looking gonna, at there. <laughs> you're going prou- to be proud of me, Defocus. I think I'm looking it up. Is is uh, early voting the number five? Uh, uh, I have it here. Uh, Let's see. I just put this away here. Let's see. Um, Uh, 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 I don't see the post position. Oh, here you go. I'll get get it for you here. Uh, Early voting is number five. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're going to do the five seven. Yeah. You're going to be proud of me because um, your numbers, your birth date, uh, the seven five exact the box that you love so much. Yeah. Well, I I, I wish I was born on a different day, though. I've said that many times. (laughs) I could have been born on like June 8th and uh, boxed the six eight all day. I think that comes in more often. At this point, I wish I was born in a different year and uh, maybe one that was uh, a little bit, I don't know, sooner than our advancing uh, age. Anyway, uh, Armin, the world, is- the world was a different place. See, I don't know. You you were kind of on the back fringe of this, maybe. But I was thinking the other day, remember when people used to get together and smile on their brother? I mean, the hippy dippy era. I'm glad I was a part of that. That that was part of my uh, upbringing as a young man because, wow, what a difference from when, uh, you know, you you, uh, pull into a parking space and instead of saying, no, go ahead, you were here first, the guy pulls out a gun and shoots you and blows your brains out right through the windshield. I mean, it's a different world today. Obviously, the world has gotten different. But you know what? Every time had its ups and downs. I mean, you're rhapsodizing about the hippy dippies, but, you know, if you were born in the wrong year at the wrong time and you lose the draft lottery, there was a draft back then and people were getting drafted. Yeah, had a high number killed in yeah. Vietnam, so wasn't so it's great back then. If you uh, there was turmoil, there's always turmoil. But in general, the human spirit, at least uh, you know, with the young people that were in uh, America, was that you know we're going to hold hands and change the world oh, together the and uh, make it a better place. Oh, and youth now, always they always yeah. have enthusiasm and idealism, and that that doesn't change. But anyway, seven yeah. five seven is Armagnac, and you know me, I love always betting any horse that has a food or drink and, uh, angle. And Armagnac, of course, is a French brandy after dinner drink. So I'm going to go with Armagnac in early voting and seven five box till the cows come home. And good luck to your dog of a dog uh, or a horse. Skippy uh, Longstocking. Yeah. Look, Skippy uh, has been a great dog. I mean, he, he he's like a reformed uh, ex-con or something. He, he kind of, I equate him with Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting, where uh, he, he was just misunderstood, couldn't really find himself until he finally uh, got the right situation and realized that, uh, you know, it's okay to love the world. Uh, so I, I have to throw in a sentimental bet uh, on Skippy Longstocking, but... You know, I'm not uh, opposed, uh, and and I'm always inclined to uh, take a look at the five and the seven and and see if there isn't some combination. Do yourself a favor. Just do a little... Do a little five dollar exact the box. Throw a little salt. If I don't do it though, it'll be much like your lightning to sweep. Yeah, with a roux here because uh, well, that, then that you'd was... be two for two in the triple crown for not yeah. making the back wheel bet Stupid. on the center. Yeah. yeah, so let's just all keep it going. Let me get oh, ahead and put it on backwards here. It'll be like that. Are you going out today? Because I'm free once I drop my. Oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. morning. I mean, there's no doubt, and I pulled I got... a move uh, last night. I, I stopped in at the bank, so it wouldn't look like I went there today and went straight to the track. I, I tried to disguise. 
the monetary withdrawal so that the Mustang uh, wouldn't immediately start thinking, uh, I know where you are. <laughs> I, I might and that is why nobody would want to have multiple wives because they'd all be saying the same thing I know where you are, I know where you are, I know where you are you're at the track oh he said with dripping sarcasm I'll see you up there later you're going to stick oh, around for the black eyed Susan or not because I'll watch how, how was the Haitian food by the way I never got Excellent. a report on oh, it yeah, oh yeah 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 we'll talk about that on the lunchbox there okay. you go. Sounds on WWNN we had a great visit out there at was Costa it good? Champagne. yeah it was tremendous yeah. Luby what'd you think? I had a great I, time I, I great. really enjoyed it Delicious! All the I love that uh, the picklies, that spicy slaw, and they did that little seafood stew with the legumes. Seafood and, legume, yeah, yeah, that and then the good. pork, the griot was really good, and those malanga barbeau coming out of the water there with the, that uh, mushroom rice apple. was excellent. Mushroom yeah. rice, which is an Asian national dish, uh, I forget the name of it, juju or something like that, and then there was a. Uh, uh, these fried malanga with yeah, uh, was it was great. just really good. Yeah, it was so, really um, good. yeah, it was uh, sounds exotic. I I, I I will go back there for dinner. Oh, beautiful. Okay, Sunday. we'll have to so, all go there, man. That's yeah, my thumbs, up, there. thumbs up to Casa Champet. So we'll, we'll jog down to a uh, dolphin game and uh, eat at uh, Casa <laughs> Champet. All right, Michael, I will see you at twelve on the Odyssey Radio app, uh, and that's uh, you know pending. Yeah, if no transformers blow yeah, up yeah, or anything, station playing its electric. Hey, but then we'll get there in time for the early double at Belmont. Very good. Yeah, I wouldn't mind early release today on the show like uh do 12 to twelve fifteen, and then book on out there for uh the early double although it looks very chalky this early double with a one to two morning uh, line uh choice in the second race coming back for bill mott all right uh thank you michael great stuff as always weekend, our thanks to the professor of course uh the lovely kate bradar getting up early she, she's going to be on the set here uh, doing uh, black eyed susan coverage yes. on tvg which uh, they yes. do a great job covering these races i i, I think you know even though you get a little more glitz and obviously, maybe uh, I, I'm not sure that they have a bigger investment of cash or capital into the production when NBC takes over the races, uh, Luby, like they'll be doing uh, four hours or five hours of Preakness coverage on Saturday, NBC. But TVG yeah. really brings it to the table with great people, uh, including our, our good friend. And, and we can't thank her enough. I mean, woman's busy, right? Getting yes. ready to go out there and be on TV for like six hours. And, uh, you know, that starts in just a couple of minutes, uh, you know, because uh, I think the first race today is like 1030. So about an hour and a half away. So people are already milling around the track there, getting their position and setting things up uh, for what should be a terrific uh, day of racing at uh, Pimlico Racecourse. And I uh, can catch all the simulcasts. Our good friends, Hylia Park. Wow. Tomorrow, I think I might jog down there for the uh, Preakness. Stuff. Nice. Uh, that's the kind of day, you know, that you want to spend all day. I don't know what my uh, time schedule is today. It might be prohibitive, but uh, wow, wow, great place to go. Don't forget about it. Champion simulcasting room if you want to plunge on the races at beautiful Hylia Park. And when you win, check into those combinations at uh, Jimmy Johnson's yeah. Big Chill at Mile Marker 104. All right, we have to run a little overtime here on a Degenerate Friday. He's Mike Louie Lubitz. You guys have a great uh, weekend, everybody. We'll see you again on Monday. Uh, we'll have some uh, more definitive answers as to uh, what's going to transpire in the postseason here. As uh, we look at the Panthers, uh, down 0-2 on the local scene. And then, of course, uh, all these other series are ongoing as well. Uh, a lot of Ranger fans will be on edge tonight, hoping that they can steal one in Carolina after uh, coming uh, within an eyelash uh, of doing snow in game number one. So we'll see if Gerard Gallant and his crew can pull it off tonight. Uh, kind of be adopting the Rangers as my playoff team now that the Panthers look to be hopelessly dead. All right, uh, see you Monday at 7 in the a.m. Uh, thanks to the people at Ion Channel carrying a program. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. Uh, until next time, uh, we say good luck, everybody, on your bets over the weekend, and we'll see you next time as we leave you know that. The time. It's 9.05. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.